This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Major developments in the special counsel's investigation into former President Donald Trump. Trump and his lawyers have been informed that the former president needs to be at a federal court in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m. to be processed on federal charges. This, of course, would be the first president ever to be indicted on federal charges. I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. We will prove that again. Seven years of proving it. And here we go again. Very unfair. On Capitol Hill, House Republicans are not going to hold the FBI director in contempt of Congress. It all surrounds a document the GOP claims provides proof that then-Vice President Biden was involved in a pay-to-play scheme with foreign nationals. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer says he called off this vote because the FBI will allow every member of the committee to view that document. I think that when our leadership couldn't hold the line on spending, uh, they surrendered the ability to exclusively hold the floor. Uh, right now, we are refusing to allow the failure theater to continue to play out. The Congressman Matt Gates, one of 11 Republicans who revolted against Republican leadership and blocked the consideration of four bills. It seemingly came out of nowhere. But the deadlock now poses questions on the way forward for the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his side of the aisle. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sydney. I love you so much. Every generation blames the one before and all of their frustrations come beating on your door. I know that I'm a hostage to all his hopes and fears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. Say it Mike Rutherford, Mike and the Mechanics, living years, wish I would have told him in the living years. The good news was I did tell him in the living years how much I loved him, and he certainly told me that every day. He's gone now. July will be three years, my dad, Harvey, and this listening audience been with me through really two tragic deaths over the last couple of years, my dad, Harvey, and my partner, Bernard. And uh, you guys 
for the most part, 95% of you, 5% of you are just the scummiest, grossest people God ever created. I mean, really low lives. But 95% of you have been with me every step of the way. And so you heard uh, my father singing me happy birthday. And that was two months before he died in April of 2020. And uh, today is his birthday, June 9th. It's also my niece Maxie's birthday. I know Ray Sherry and Albert are listening. She gets mad every year. But um, my father's birthday is today. And the good news is, is while it's a very emotional day, my beautiful wife, Danielle, God, I don't know why he delivered her to me. <clears throat> but um, there's no question if you know me my whole life, Danielle is the best thing that ever happened to me. And she sent me a text circa 6 o'clock this morning, knowing what an emotional day it is for me. And she's right. But here's the good news. If I played that two years ago, I'd be crying at the top of the show, and I'm not going to cry today. Because now I'm at the point in my morning, which continues every day. It's not gotten easier. Anybody who tells you these things get easier didn't love that person. They just didn't. It does not get easier. But the theme changes. So now, instead of crying that he's gone, now I'm happy he was here. And today I will spend some time sitting on a bench in Battery Park before I go home to Queens, just reliving some of the memories that me and my father created over my 50-plus years when he was alive, and, of course, his near 90 years when he was alive. I hope a lot of you are right. You guys say it all the time. I hope you're right, and he's listening right now. And if you are, big guy, big poppy, Harvey, daddy, happy birthday. Well, I guess I did cry. <laughs> happy birthday, Pop. What, are you su- you're surprised? <laughs> well, I was going to try not to, but, you know. I just, I get so emotional over certain people in my life. You're one of those people, Lou. I mean, if God forbid something happened to you, I think I would cry. I think. You'd have to think. Yeah, I mean, I'm kidding. I would be destroyed. Destroyed. So, anyway. That's good to know. Daddy, I love you. So, it's a big, big, big news day today, and we've got a ton of guests. I mean, a ton. One guy that announced he was leaving last week, that news got worldwide recognition and i know most of my audience hates him hates him that's okay he's been a friend of mine for the better part of 15 years and was a mainstay on my shows in miami and new york till bernie chased him away and that is the host of meet the press chuck todd who told the world last week i'm leaving he made it sound like it was his choice i don't know Kristen welker will take over chuck todd will join me coming up at 625 then at 640 Fame defense attorney, Arthur Idala. Then at 7.05, the man, nobody hotter in New York right now, two guys really, than Curtis Sliwa and Bo Deal on this show. Curtis, five days a week, he's that good. Curtis will join me at 7.05. 7.40, host of Fox and Friends in the morning. One Nation, Saturday nights on Fox News. And, of course, follows me here on WABC, 10 o'clock every morning, my good buddy Brian Kilmeade. Coming up at 8.05, Monica Crowley, who, mind you, just interviewed President Trump on her very popular podcast two days ago. Wednesday night, Crowley interviewed Trump. 
He gets indicted Thursday. We'll talk to Monica. And, of course, she worked for President Trump alongside Steve Mnuchin. To join us at 8.05, one of Trump's many attorneys, Joseph Takapina, my guy, he'll be here at 8.40, making a return visit, her second in about a week. The very, very impressive Congress lady, excuse me, Congress lady, she actually, um, uh, yeah, Congress, uh, House, Nancy Mace out of South Carolina will join us at uh, 9.05. And then we'll talk Belmont Stakes. Big day in New York tomorrow with Dick Girardi. So the air quality is horrible. It's a lot better than it was two days ago. It's not 480. Now it's 180, which is basically what they've gotten to buy every day. The sky's no longer orange. The kind of hazy white. People are still freaking out, wanting to emergency rooms. I'm dying, you know. The panic has set in, and the media is no help. It's ridiculous, to be honest. Wear a mask and just shut up. But anyway... We'll find out how the horses did this week. In fact, Noam, I thought I heard you uh, talking about it earlier this morning. You usually get about 100,000 people. This is a huge event. Now, again, don't forget, there is no Triple Crown opportunity here because two different horses won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes. So when you got a chance at the Triple Crown, you're almost guaranteed 30,000 extra people and a lot more coverage. That's gone. In fact, lately, the big races are getting more coverage for horses dying seven at the Derby than the actual race, which is not good news for thoroughbred racing. But you did talk about the Belmont earlier this morning, Noam. What was that all about? Uh, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman has been all along saying it's going to happen this weekend, even yeah. if they have to hand out those N95 masks to oh. people as they walk in. <laughs> but um, he says, you know, he's been clear about this. I don't want to cancel this race. And look, it's already clear today. Let's hope the smoke doesn't continue to pour in. But it, right now, I can see the sky. It's not bad out. So they played baseball in the Bronx yesterday. They can do the horse race out at Belmont they Park They played two Saturday. games in the Bronx, Yeah, right? and it was yeah. fine. So yeah. Belmont Park will be fine on Saturday. And we'll talk to Dick Girardi just to confirm what Noam, thank you, Noam, and Bruce Blakeman, my friend out of Nassau County. We'll talk to Girardi coming up at uh, 940. But, of course, the big story this morning is they've done it again. Here we go. Donald Trump indicted again. Look, folks, I've already argued with people on Facebook 4 o'clock this morning. You have to see what's going on here. 45 presidents. Barack Obama's got stuff at home. Joe Biden's got stuff at home. Biden took stuff home as the vice president. Those guys aren't getting indicted. I mean, I'm sorry. You can hate Donald Trump, hate his guts, and you're entitled to that. You're in America. But if you can't see this for what it is, one hoax after another, not one but two impeachment trials, they couldn't get him. Now he's been indicted on a state level here in New York, on a federal level down in Miami. You had that E. Jean Carroll case where all she talked about was rape. He never raped her. If you can't see this for what it is, a concerted effort to destroy Donald Trump politically, then you are pathetic. I don't care if you hate his guts. He did nothing here that every other president didn't do. And he got indicted. Now, look, if you listen yesterday, Judge Napolitano, Audie Idala, who will join me coming up at 640, they think this is very serious. Jail time a possibility could mean the end of his run. But I think even they would admit, I know they would, 
that what the DOJ has done here is the most shameful time in the history of this country. They have clearly become a weapon, a weapon for the Democratic Party. How you can indict Donald Trump and not Biden when he's got 1,800 boxes in places all over town by a Corvette in a garage, some office in Chinatown. One thing about Donald Trump, his boxes, full view for the world to see right outside the White House on the lawn the day he left. If you can't see this as a concerted effort, you're pathetic. Just admit, I hate Donald Trump. Fine. Fine. But if you're okay with all these impeachments and indictments, you hate this country. The bottom line is, you hate this country. On the cover of today's New York Post, you've got a Ukrainian businessman on the cover saying, I bribed Joe Biden for $10 million. $10 million which we've known forever, thanks to Miranda Devine and Tucker Carlson and Tony Bobulinski and a host of others, Jim Comer. No one's going to cover that today. I've got MSNBC on right now. Trump indicted again with eight morons, Jen Psaki, Joe Scarborough, Mika Barnacle, eight morons, a guy here named Chuck Rosenberg, no relation, former U.S. attorney, Going on and on about Trump. But what about the 10 million that Biden got from Ukraine? They're not going to touch it. A clear indication once again that all this is, all this is, is an attempt to destroy the president. And maybe, maybe this time it's going to work because federal indictments are no joke. They come hard. They usually have a decent amount of evidence. And they're going to try to get him. And if this one doesn't go their way, they'll try Georgia. And if that one doesn't go their way, they'll try January 6th. Donald Trump did speak yesterday on his social media account, Truth Social, where, of course, he contended I'm an innocent man. So here it is. This is, uh, once again, Truth Social. Donald Trump Lewis, after Trump's second indictment, once again, this one on a federal level, he'll be in a Miami federal court 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Donald Trump, cut number one. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. And we'll fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could devote our full time to making America great again. And that's exactly what we did. But now... Again, our country is in decline. We're a failing nation, and this is what they do. I'm an innocent man. We will prove that again. Seven years of proving it, and here we go again. Very unfair, but that's the way it is. I just want to thank everybody. We are doing something very special for our country. We're putting America first. I always put America first. So he's going to repeat basically here what I just said, which is clearly this is an attempt by the left to destroy a very popular Republican president. Once again, from his social media account, Truth Social, this is former President Donald Trump, cut number two. Very sadly, we're a nation in decline, and yet they go after 
a popular president, a president that got more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country, by far, and did much better the second time in the election than the first. And they go after him on a boxer's hoax, just like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and all of the others. This has been going on for seven years. They can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened. I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. Uh, they had the Mueller hoax, the Mueller report, and that came out. No collusion after two and a half years that was set up by Hillary Clinton and Democrats. But this is what they do. This is what they do so well. If they would devote their energies to honesty and integrity, it would be a lot better for our country. They could do a lot better. They could do a lot of great things. So I can't help but feel if DeSantis right now was clobbering Trump in all these polls or Biden. Lately, Trump uh, is beating Biden in some of these polls. If Trump was getting murdered there, I'm not sure either one of these indictments would have ever happened. But because Trump is clobbering everybody in the GOP field, murdering DeSantis, the fear on the left is, oh, my God, he may win again. And we cannot let that happen. Listen to me. We cannot let that happen. FBI, Lisa Page, Stroke, the whole DOJ. They decided their job is to no longer put criminals away. It's to make sure Donald Trump doesn't win. And his poll numbers are scaring the shizzle out of him. Donald Trump, cut number three. You have a president where an election was taken, got more votes than any sitting president in history by far, never anything even close, and they come after me, because now we're leading in the polls again by a lot, against Biden, and against the Republicans by a lot, but we're leading against Biden by a lot, a tremendous amount, and we went up to a level that they figured the way they're going to stop us is by using what's called warfare, and that's what it is, this is warfare for the law. And we can't let it happen. We can't let it happen. So again, in closing out Trump's comments, social media, truth, social last night, all this is, and I agree with the president, all this is, is one big attempt at election interference. Donald Trump, cut number four. Our country is going to hell, and they come after Donald Trump weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI. We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping our country to shreds. We have such big problems, and this shouldn't be one of them. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax, just like Russia, 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 just like the fake dossier was a hoax. You saw the Durham report. You saw the Mueller report. It was all a big hoax. You had two impeachments. And they lost, and we won. And we had tremendous support. But that was a hoax and a scam. And now they're doing it again. It's just a continuation, seven years, even after I'm out. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy your reputation so they can win an election. There you have it, folks. Couldn't agree more, President Donald Trump. Okay, so here we go. Guest list starts coming up next, early on this Friday morning. Chuck Todd. Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, Monica Crowley, Noam Layden, 
Joseph Takapina, Nancy Mace, and Dick Girardi on the Belmont all stopping by today. A monster Friday show with your favorite show host in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Duran Duran at 6.30 on your Friday morning. Air quality down about 300 points from two days ago. Sky now white and hazy, not orange. I got a good friend on the phone right now. He's at the airport, and he made a huge announcement last week on Meet the Press, NBC Sunday, that after a decade he was leaving. You guys know the history of Sid Rosenberg and Chuck Todd. I know most of you on this station don't share his same political views. That's fine. But he has been a loyal good friend to me for many, many years. And it's a big news day, so here he is, my friend Chuck Todd. Chuck, good Friday morning, pal. How are you? I'm great. I was just staring at the polar bear's uh, uh, place of uh, habitat. There. I mean, yeah, Pete Alonso's <laughs> habitat over there. It's always, always fun to, to see that. Why doesn't he get more love? Why do we love Aaron Judge more than Pete Alonso? Well, because Judge is better. Judge, don't get me wrong. I understand. But Pete Alonso, and all this dude does is leave the league at home runs every But okay. No, listen, he's a good player. He strikes out too much. He's not the... Yeah, the, he does. Yeah, and, I know. Yeah, Judge is a better deep... I mean, Judge is a much better baseball player, but yes, Alonzo puts up big numbers on a terrible baseball he team. Does. The Mets are three games under. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it is. Now, let me get to uh, what you uh, you told the world uh, on Sunday, yeah. Chuck. And, you know, look, I, I don't expect you to comment on this part, but I'm going to say it because I'm number one for a reason, and that is there uh, was a long run. Tim Russert, David Gregory, Chuck Todd... That's a lot of very smart white men sitting behind the mic at Beat the Press. And, and NBC and every station across this country is so caught up in diversity, that's all they care about, that whenever you left, whenever you left, and as much as I like Kristen, nice girl, the move to heart didn't surprise me. It seems to me like the white male sitting behind the desk is over in America, and I can't stand that. But in your case, what was it really, Chuck, that made you decide, I'm moving on? 
So it's been a combination of things, but but two, two but they're both personal. Uh, I lost my two closest friends uh, in the last nine months. Oh my God! One I'm to sorry. cancer. It's you know one to cancer, and then my best my my best adult friend about six weeks ago uh, died of a, in a complication of surgery. And they're both about my age. We have kids around the same age, and particularly my one friend Vaughn. He was he and his wife, and it was just. They were right there. Their last kid was a freshman in college. And they were just, you know, that moment that you, you've got that next phase of your life that's going to be a little more yours and, and all of that. And just take it away from, from all of them. You throw all that together and, and you're just like, what? What is – I had a good – it's been a good run. And I just didn't – the motivation got sucked out of me. And – you know, 2024, it's the first time I've not looked forward to a presidential. You throw it all together, and it just felt like the right time to pause. I mean, look, if I could do a sabbatical, you know, that type of thing, but it really is. You know, I had said, when I'm getting too jaded and cynical, that's the moment you got to step, you gotta, you got to have the guts to step away. And I tell you, ever since I made the decision, I have felt great. It is like a weight off the shoulders, and I say that I love Meet the Press. I've loved what I've done. Um, but I also feel a sense of accomplishment and I'm ready for a new challenge. And it's, you throw all that in together. It's like you do something, the same thing for nine years. And at some point it becomes work. Yeah. No matter how much you love it. No, listen, you know I, mean? no I, I, how I, much I, you love it. I agree and with I, that. I don't know how else to convey yeah. it. You yeah. know, I know everybody in you know, my business, right. Or it must be something else. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not, but you know, go for it, right? You know, it's, that's the way people. Like. No, listen. I, I can tell you that the guys on my station, the Mark Levins of the world, uh, they're convinced you got fired. They've had enough of you. They're moving on to a black female. <laughs> and I know you. You're honest with me, and I know you did step away. But I will say this: I love my job too, and I'm great at it, like you are. Uh, but it is it is exhausting. I mean, I woke up this morning, and look, I know you're going to disagree. But my feelings on Trump, you know what they are. It is what it is. This is a really pathetic attempt. They weaponized the DOJ. They impeached this guy twice. Now they've indicted him twice on both a state and federal level. This is more serious, obviously, a federal charge. But their efforts to wipe this guy out after seven years, if you don't, I don't care how smart you are, and I don't care how much you hate Donald Trump, if you don't see at this point, that this is nothing more than a concerted effort by the left to make sure this guy doesn't win again in 2024. I don't know what to tell you. So for me, it's becoming exhausting because the divide is so massive that smart people, Chuck, won't admit we hate Trump and we don't care. Well, look, the divide is is to the point of, of where it does you wonder if if we even want unity. You know, I know people say they want unity, but they don't vote that way, right? And they don't act that way, and, and I don't know. And I'm look, I I want to wait to see the indictment. I'm not going to sit here and, and over and over judge. I understand why folks that uh, support the president feel like this is a pylon, and he is successfully, I think, communicated that to supporters. And I think that's what look. We all want to figure this out, which is, is there a point where his supporters say, you know what, it's too much to defend. He's going to lose. Every other politician in this situation has been sort of chased out of politics, right? We, you and I have both seen this over the years. Every, almost every other politician in this situation, uh, a party abandons him. Now, his party doesn't look like it's going to abandon him unless voters start abandoning him, right? You know, they're only sticking by him because the voters have stuck by him. You and I both know the party. If the party could have abandoned him a year ago, they would have. Yeah. 
But the voters have it. The, the, you know, I always say, yeah, Trump's really unpopular except with his voters. And, <laughs> and that's, right, that's, that's like the thing that Washington misses. And I think we're all waiting to see here. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Tuesday is a spectacle outside the courthouse? Do you think, oh, of course. you know, Roger Stone, you know, you and I both know that area very well. Yep. There's a lot of operatives there. Yep. If they want to create a major political event in front of that courthouse to create, there's plenty of people to organize it and do yeah, it. Yeah, but they won't. Listen, I, I, heard, I heard the same you thing. Do they do that or not? No, they don't. I heard the same thing about New York. And believe me, there's still lots of people, lots of buildings named after Trump that love mm-hmm. Trump here. And nothing happened. He walked in the back exit with Joe Tacopina, did what he had to do and left. He's not orchestrating. They're not orchestrating anything. And look, I get, I'll tell you this, Chuck. Because while Fox News is talking, uh, excuse me, while MSNBC started this morning with the Trump indictment, no surprise, Fox News started with the other story on the cover of today's New York Post, which is there's a Ukrainian businessman on record saying, I gave Joe Biden $10 million. And all this, this FBI documents up with Christopher Ray goes directly to that. So Fox News is saying, hey. What about the Biden stuff? While well, MSNBC and CNN are just talking about Trump all morning long, the sitting president is involved in something even worse. But the truth is, some networks cover it and some don't. Well, I, I would argue with the Biden situation, there's not enough evidence to point to that there's anything there yet. And this, this FBI uh, accusation is uh, pretty flimsy and seems to have fallen apart. What about what about if the bank records? What about the if bank there's records? More evidence, then let's see it. But, well, but Chuck, yeah. what about the Where bank records? They? Where are they? I mean, I, I said I'm not going to. I don't want to litigate this uh, on radio while I'm staring at the airport. But <laughs> there's always a lot of accusations and never the actual material to back them up in this Biden situation. It is, you know, there is there is a lot of smoke. That seems to be a lot closer to people named Biden that are not named Joe. This may be about Hunter and this may be about Frank, but there's still uh, a lot of missing evidence that connects it to Joe. And I think that until you get there, I think that's why the story is where it is. Well, uh, let's let, let's say I, let, let's say I give you that, Chuck. Let's say I give you that. You're mm-hmm. right, despite what Jim Colmer says. I haven't seen it, but it doesn't seem like the left and the media cares about that with Trump. I mean, you would you would admit this if there was even smoke, even rumors about Eric Trump or Donald Jr. to the amount of Hunter Biden. That's all those networks would cover every single day. You got to admit that. Come on. Well, it's not just about coverage. It's about where it's about. It's about like how often. Well, I, let me ask it this way. And this is the way our parents, I think, would have said to it. You know, whatever you think of Donald Trump, he always seems to invite legal scrutiny. Is that because every legal entity in the world is against Donald Trump? Yes. Or Donald Trump does things that invite legal scrutiny. You're asking well, me the, the answer is A. I understand what you're I know I know the answer you're giving to the show. I'm just saying I look at this and say, geez, huh, why is it that wherever you go, there's legal scrutiny? And you don't think he does anything to invite it? No, I don't. I, 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 like I said, okay. this, this is a concerted effort by the DOJ, which has become a complete embarrassment. The liberal media. Say, if they're trumping this up, here's the thing. If this is trumped up, it's a disaster. And the whole the whole law enforcement community comes just integrate. I mean, I really believe that Merrick Garland, they, they, Merrick Garland and Jeff, but they, they must believe they have the goods because I do believe that they don't have it. It is absolutely destructive to the rule of law. That's fair. That's fair. So we got to wait and see if they've got we something. Wait and see if right. they got That's it. fair. That's right. Uh, but I so do think it is that explosive 
if you don't. I mean, you know the expression, if you go at the king, you better not miss. Well, that has been the history. Impeachments, state indictments, you know, even that E. Jean Carroll, all she claimed was rape. is the most elusive. Teflon is not a a good enough word to describe what he has, right? He has. So let me ask you this. Uh, You're going to, I guess, work the rest of the summer. And then uh, Walker yeah. will take over in September. But you said you're going to do some documentaries and some other things. Stay on with NBC. Well, as I as I joke, you're right. I, I look. I'm 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 hoping. You know, not hoping. I got the Brokaw package. You know, type of meaning. I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> yeah, try yeah. to do what Tom did. Yeah, you know, yeah, which is yeah. sort of you get to pick your spots. And you know, I, I also get to go to. I get to go to University of Miami football games on a Saturday. Awesome. You don't understand? Oh, I know. That's that awesome. I know. My daughter, my daughter is going to be, she's part of homecoming. She goes to Miami. And the first thing she said to me, she goes, oh, you get to come to homecoming. And I'm like, see, this is, it's those things. That's what made the decision easy. Uh, listen, that's easier. a big deal. And I went to Miami, too, yeah, when Coastal, and they, they won the national championship. Oh, they man. beat Nebraska. So yeah. I know how big it is. I'm trying, to con- I'm trying to convince her that Miami football's good. She doesn't believe me. No, she's right. Your daughter's right. So on the way out, they, they used to be good. Uh, so on the way out, uh, right now, if you were offered a job, uh, in a couple of months, maybe a year, when you give yourself a chance to relax just a little bit and uh, clear some of the cobwebs, would you rather be sitting behind another desk talking politics or working on Football Night in America, NBC, <laughs> Sunday nights? Yeah, I, I joked uh, with Brian Roberts. I said, if you buy ESPN, I think I want uh, I want to get it. I want to get in on that. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I just want to. I want to run a newsroom again. That's what I did before I came to NBC, and I missed that. I miss that a lot, running a newsroom. It's a lot of fun. Well, I enjoyed like that. Fun. Yeah. And whatever, what, what, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, helping shape story uh, and letting other people be the pinata. Right, right. Instead of you sitting there and you being the subject right. of something. Right, and be the pinata. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, but I, I don't know where you're flying to this morning, but uh, certainly have a safe trip. And I know this thank is the brother. only radio interview you did, and I appreciate that. And thank you for your years of loyalty. And we'll talk again later on this weekend. Good luck. Thank you, Chuck. All right, brother. Have a safe trip. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is, the current host, although, as he said, he's stepping away, uh, Chuck Todd. Meet the press. And I will tell you that uh, most of the time that Chuck and I talk, Trump never comes up. Biden never comes up. We talk every week, every Saturday during the football season, about who our picks are for the NFL on Sunday. Every week. And politics Never comes up. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by P. Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Still the world's best built in boilers on a diamond in the Bronx. Thank you. Split their doubleheader with the Chicago White Sox. They lost the first game 6-5 after a go-ahead homer in the seventh inning from Chicago slugger Eloy Jimenez before prevailing in the second game by a score of 3 to nothing, thanks to a two-run shot from Billy McKinney and a two-run shot from a Glaber, or a solo shot, I should say, from Glaber Torres. That's what I'm saying. That was his tenth thing of the year. Hi now. With the split, though, the Yanks will take the series loss on the chin before welcoming in the Boston Red Sox for your first installment of the rivalry so 
far this season. 7.05 p.m. is first pitch for tonight's opener with Garrett Cole getting the start against Boston's Garrett Whitlock. Now for the Mets, who continued to struggle mightily, and this time in heartbreaking fashion, losing 13-10 to in 10 innings to the Braves in the series finale down in Atlanta. The loss makes six straight now for New York as they get swept for the second straight series and now sit eight and a half games back of first place Atlanta in the NL East. They'll head to Pittsburgh next, where hopefully something gives against the Pirates. First pitch for the opener is scheduled for 7.05 p.m. tonight with Tyler McGill set to face Pittsburgh's Rich Hill on the ice in Florida. The Panthers beat the Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 in overtime in Game 3. Vegas still holds a two-games-to-one lead with the series staying put in Florida for tomorrow night's Game 4. On the hardwood tonight, the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat are set to tip it off for Game 4 of the NBA Finals at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Miami. Denver currently holding on to a two-games-to-one series lead. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, uh, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. good time. You actually touched me back. What a great interview. Always enjoy it. I like sitting friends. Good, straightforward show title. Pete Morgan loved it. So did my wife and so did I. That brings us to our next guest, big time fame defense attorney. He's on the show often these days because there's always something going on. And lately it's been Trump indictments. So here he is back for a second straight day. The great author, Idala. Good Friday morning, author. How are you, buddy? I just need to tell you what happened this morning. So I get up at 545. I'm reading all the Trump stuff as I did before I went to sleep. And then at, at 608, I, I turn you on. Yeah. And I hear you going, well, I'm going to cry now. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this guy is crying over the Trump. I'm like, he, he has really swallowed the Kool-Aid, man. He is, he's giving me a hard time. About, about, I'm complaining about it was orange outside. I couldn't breathe. And yeah. he's crying because yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. This guy's that's crying, funny. But yeah, no, that's not the, not the case. Yeah. No, I know. May your father rest in peace. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you. He did, he did good. <laughs> and, you know, making a nice young man there. And thank I hope you. your move went well. Uh, back into, but we're uh, not done yet. Uh, it's, it's a two-day move. Day one was yesterday. Day two is tomorrow. 
My little boy Gabriel graduates eighth grade. He's going into high school. I can't believe it on Wednesday, and I'm hoping after graduation on Wednesday maybe to make the full move back to uh, Queens. We'll see, but we're getting there. We're getting very, very close, and as Arthur pointed out, Thank you. That's always stressful, man. It is not easy. Uh, today is my father's birthday. I was uh, uh, teary-eyed over that, but I'm not crying about the Trump indictment, but if you heard me just moments ago with Chuck Todd, I laid it out, uh, what I think has been this concerted effort now by this uh, the left and uh, the progressive left to destroy Donald Trump. And it's one thing when, you know, they impeach him or they make up these hoaxes, but when you start to weaponize the DOJ, when you've got, you know, cities uh, like New York with Bragg and James and now Merrick Garland at a federal level that wake up every single day looking for a way to end Trump's political career, whether they got him or not in this case, there are 45 presidents. They've all done the same thing. If this is not a concerted effort to destroy Donald Trump, I don't know what is, Arthur. Well, look, obviously there's a, there's a piling on aspect. But what Chuck Todd was saying, you know, like, and by the way, that was a great interview, especially Thank like you. why he left. I love the part about him talking about losing his two friends. He was yeah. very human. Thank you. Um, but, um, you know, here's the problem, Sid. He causes his own problems. In other words, all, when they call him up and say, uh, excuse me, Mr. President Trump, yeah, you, we think you took some stuff from the White House that you weren't supposed to take. And could, could you just give it back to us? If he just gave it back to But them. can we stop? Can we stop? That's fine. Let's start with the genesis right there. When they call him up, and I don't know the answer to this, and maybe I am just uh, two in the bag for Trump. Did they call Biden after the 1,800 boxes? Did they call Obama? They yeah, okay. they did. But okay. they did. And, and he opened the garage and said, here, go look at the Corvette. Look at the trunk. Look under the hood. What about the, office in, what about the office in Chinatown where Biden has hundreds of boxes? They never went. Well, you know, but you can't, okay, but we can't blame Biden for that. What you have to understand is they're not coming after Trump for taking this stuff. You know, it's, it's not like shoplifting, right? You, you get in trouble for shoplifting, for taking it out of the store, not for not returning it when they ask you to return it. Here it's a little uh, illogical. He's not in trouble for taking it. He's getting in trouble for when, when they asked him for it back. He basically said, F you. <laughs> and and, he, and he, I believe if you read everything, because as Chuck said, we haven't read the indictment, but if you believe what's coming out is, you know, then he allegedly they're going to come out with charges that he was like telling people, well, don't tell them this, like don't cooperate with the investigation, hide this, hide that, you know, the stuff in his safe that that I think that he said wasn't there, um, that was there. So it's really look, you you know the old school expression, the cover up is worse than the crime. Yeah. It seems like that may be the case here. Had he just said, oh, really? I wasn't allowed to take that? Oops, sorry. Okay, here, come take it back. I didn't know that. It, you know, it, it seems like it's that simple, but he didn't, and he kept top dancing around. And the, the, the thing is this, look, if you want to be a little nefarious, like, oh, like why did he want this stuff? Like, Why? In other words, what, what was so important about it? What, of the thousands of documents he signed and he saw, why this stuff? Was it just for nostalgic? I, you know, I want to give it to my grandkids? Or was there an, an underlying motive? We don't know, but you, you got to, and they don't have to prove motive. But as a human being, that's kind of a question. Like of everything in the White House, like 
why did he take these particular yeah. boxes? It's a good I question. That's what people are going to want to know. Bill O'Reilly kind of asked that with me yesterday, and I don't have an answer for him other than he's Trump. He likes to have important stuff with him, and he's the man, and I'm the man, and I can do it. I mean, obviously, going on CNN with Caitlin Collins and really doubling down on that, probably even further the quickness of this uh, indictment. Now, I did see the seven charges. Of course, uh, if he's guilty on all of them, it could amount to 75 years in prison. I read all seven charges. I'm not an attorney. Some looked ridiculous. Some I said, maybe. What did you think of those seven charges? Well, be, it, okay, so some of them with the conspiracy to obstruct justice is going to depend what other people said, what other people testify to um, in the grand jury. And just so you understand, unlike a state grand jury, those human beings themselves don't actually have to testify in the grand jury. They can just tell something to an FBI agent, and then the FBI agent testifies in the grand and jury. And I think they got some of that stuff already from a guy, another backstabber, for his uh, former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Yeah, I mean, look, what, Sid, when you call these guys backstabbers, if, God forbid, you know, you get hit with a subpoena, it's, look, you need to take the fifth, and and then they have, then they, which means you don't talk, and then they have the... Uh, the choice of either charging you as well or giving you immunity, or you know you go in there and say, look. Who, we don't know what Mark Meadows said. He may have went in there and tried to cover for Trump. So just because he went in and, and I've had guys who get subpoenas and they go in there and the prosecutors are all pissed off because they didn't say. No, 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 but no, we know. But, but I guess we already know, and I don't know how we know it. If it, I don't know, but we know that Mark Meadows did not, did not uh, try to help Donald Trump. He tried to hurt him, but. Uh, regardless, uh, it, like, yes, one of those charges does speak to a, a Trump going to somebody and saying, basically lie about this, and that you think is one of the more serious ones. Yeah, and I mean, and if it's and if it's if it is someone like Mark Meadows or a Secret Service agent, someone who's got real credibility, unlike maybe some guy who uh, is a worker at Mar-a-Lago and you know Trump pissed him off, so now he's going to try to get back to Trump. But if it's someone with real credibility, then yeah, Donald Trump called me into his office and said. They're looking for these documents. I don't want to give them to them. Could you, you know, I want you to put them in the golf cart and, and you know, hide them somewhere. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't know what's coming. But it, this all comes down to, and I we spoke about this yesterday. How much trouble Donald Trump is in depends on which judge he draws, because there are there just just like on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. You know, okay, that Justice Thomas is in one direction and Justice Kagan is in another direction. It's the same thing on the federal bench where you – I could tell you this. When Anthony Weiner pled guilty, we did not know which judge he was going to pull. And he said to me, am I going to go to jail or not? I said, I don't know. As soon as they pulled Denise Coat as his judge, I said, Anthony, you're definitely going to jail. She sends everybody to jail. Yeah. There are other judges who don't, who, you know, who lean in the direction of giving someone a second chance. Obviously, this is going to be an internationally watched case. They're going to watch this case from Mars. So whatever judge is handling this is and, – and what judges try to do, Sid, is have fairness in sentencing. So they'll look at what other people have gotten sentenced to and try to compare and contrast. They don't can't do that here. There's nothing to compare and contrast it to. He's the first president ever. And, uh, you know, we, so they're going to have to see what were the documents and what was the, a judge is going to want to know the motivation, even though they don't have to, to prove it. Was it just because he wanted to have important things around him and give it to his grandkid? Or was it because he had some deal with Iraq or Iran or somebody else? So there's a lot of unknowns here. But obviously, look, 
Donald Trump and his team could play it off as much as they want. But Sid, any time you get indicted by the feds, it's a horrible thing. No, I know. Listen, I had this conversation with uh, Joe Tacopina. He'll join me at 840 this morning last night. The poor guy is uh, sitting at a hockey game, the Panthers game, because his son works for Vinny Viola and the Panther organization. He couldn't even enjoy the game because he's getting text messages. He was nauseous. And he said the same thing. Federal, much bigger difference. And that's why while these liberal DAs and AGs in New York make a difference in a state case, a city case like Alvin Bragg, in Miami, it ain't going to matter. These are federal judges. So even though Miami tends to be more popular in terms of people who love Donald Trump than New York, in this case, it doesn't matter. These are federal judges, and we just don't know. Well, the flip side of it, though, is if Donald Trump does what, what Tacopini just did here and says, screw this, they're offering me this crazy plea offer where a judge almost has to give me jail, I'm going to trial. All he needs is one to screw up the whole system. One juror. And, you know, he's in a he is in a jurisdiction that is much, uh, <laughs> much friendlier than Washington, D.C. Right. To be able to find that one juror to say, OK, you know what? I am going to go. You know, well, I don't believe this. I think this is a pile on. Yeah. It's called jury nullification. Even though they prove their case, they think that uh, it, it's been so corrupt that justice dictates he should not be convicted. So he is in a good jurisdiction. And by the way, they had no choice. It's not like the feds chose to go there. That's where the crimes were committed, and that's where he has to That's where he has to uh, uh, be charged. Right. I am getting called into Rosanna Scotto's studio right now here at Fox 5. They want me on at the top of the 7. Right. I'm sorry, Sydney. I, I, I gave no, you no, no, no. You go, you go in there, and uh, Rosanna mentions me all the time. You know that on air, she loves me, and you say, I just talked about this with Sid Rosenberg on WABC, and she'll give you the biggest smile you ever saw. Okay, and one last thing. I want to compliment you one more time. I'm not blowing smoke, but good for you for calling out Chuck Todd about his replacement and who that person is and and how that all came about. Uh, Thank you. It has been a long line of white men, and networks don't like that stuff anymore. You are uh, great. I love you. Have a good time on Channel 5, and as always, excellent appearance, author. Thank you. All right, Sid. Talk to you soon. That's my man, the great defense attorney, Arthur Idano. Wraps up quite a night. Hour number one, six o'clock hour. You got Chuck Todd and Arthur Idano. Huge show still to come your way. Ha, ah, the great Curtis Sliwa, Monica Crowley, Joseph Takapina, Nancy Mace, Brian Kilmeade. Keep it right here. Hour two of Sitting Friends in the Morning with Super Trent about to come your way. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Touch me in the pouring rain. 
Disco Friday with Curtis Sliwa. But this song, great BG song, How Deep Is Your Love? My favorite song from the movie. I know Staying Alive and Night Fever and all those songs and Disco Inferno. This is my favorite, but a special meaning today because Curtis came into the studio with his uh, very beautiful and brave wife, Nancy. I'm a huge fan of Nancy Sliwa. And um, they're going to go to the hospital after today's show. She had some tests done and some biopsies. So you actually, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Guardian Angel, 40 years, Mr. I'll Break Your Face in the Subway at a Moment's Notice, you actually picked that song for your wife Nancy, didn't you? Of course. Of course. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yesterday you were reminiscing how Danielle was the best thing that ever happened I to you. I said it this morning, today on my father's birthday. Yes. Right. Absolutely right. Kept you on track, without which you would be dead. Dead. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. It'll be R.I.P. And in terms of Nancy, you know my ups and downs, and she's the only one who's been able to deal with me, because I am a very difficult person to deal with. What? Yes. You? Yes. I don't see it. I don't see it. I've actually gotten to know the uh, the real Curtis. He's on all five days now with me. And I'm not going to say this on the air because he's got a rep out there on the streets. So you guys are about to go wild out there. He'll still kick your ass. But you're actually a very sensitive guy. And when you, when you talk about the city, for example, yeah. and you get angry with Eric Adams or whoever it may be, you do that because it's genuine. You've got what Bill O'Reilly says about me, authenticity. You really do care. It's not a joke. You care. Absolutely. I'm down in the subways every day. Just to give an example, last night I had to go out to uh, Edgewater, talking about opening up. New Jersey? Yeah. That's a beautiful area. Oh, yeah. Roberto's. Oh, sure. Great. Roberto's, I mean, I know there's Michael's, I know there's Il Cortino, great Italian restaurants here. you got to be George Washington, cross the Hudson yeah, River. That's a great place. They've also got a great steakhouse in Edgewater. Though. And I sat down with a number of people about opening up Ronald Reagan Republican Clubs in Jersey, but the former owner of Avante on Bell Boulevard, remember where all the Gabons, the wise guys used Bayside, to go? In Bayside. That's right. Yeah. Right down from the 111th Precinct. And he talked about what it was like running a club when the guys would come in with their track suits, the Sergio yeah. Tacchini's yeah. track suits, yeah. and the pinky rings. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I'm telling you, I was in flashback mode. So that's why I picked that uh, song in honor of my wife, Nancy, uh-huh. who's been going through the mill, but been doing the deep dive. In fact, you notice our Capo di Tutti, president of Red Apple Media, Chad Lopez, he's eye candy this morning. Hey, I got to say, he's wearing a really nice fitted blue jacket, which... Guys don't wear jackets right these days. I do. So does he. It's clearly been tailored for him. And he's got the white, white sneakers with the white button down. It's his, it's his son's prom tonight. Yes. So he's going to celebrate. But he looks, i got to say, Chad Lopez looks like a million bucks. Well, uh, Nancy, as you know, continues to do the deep dive. So what did she find yesterday on an Instagram post? You're going to love this. I'm going to send it to you, Sid. From the Zona de Cuba, which is Fernando Mateo's restaurant up in the Bronx, on the stage, the night of May 30th, your friend Eric Adams and there was Fernando Mateo embracing one another, talking about how each other's are eye candy. 
because Fernando just got the contract to create the culturally appropriate food for all these illegal aliens who speak Spanish, who are from Hispanic countries, like con arroz habichuelas with chuletas, pork chops on top of beans and rice, mafungo, mangu. <laughs> Come on. See, this is a racket. This is kickback hell. And she's doing the deep dive now because they've redacted everything because they call these hotels now. They call them not shelters, not hotels. They're human resource centers. Mm-hmm. So they redact everything. But you can't hide from the demolition wrecking crew of Slee and Slee. She does a deep dive as the E attorney. I know she does great work. And, and, and look, I, you've been shot six times. You've been in fights your whole life. Nothing seems to scare you. But, you know, you're in here every day now. And uh, this segment has become incredibly valuable because no one really in this city tells the truth. Nobody. Whether you're talking about Eric Adams right here, Fernando Mateo, who both of those guys I like. Um, and then, of course, uh, Mike Rendino. I know he's furious. What a piece of work. Well, after yesterday, he's really pissed. Are you ever worried that at some point, I'm being serious, yeah. somebody's going to try to get you like Gotti Jr. tried to get you last ah, time? God, come for me. Come for me. You right? want it, right? You want yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. a cat with nine lives. I've used Eight of the lives up. Yeah. I got one more to go. But anyway. Well, you got a lot of backing in the city. You've got me. You've got Bogito. Yeah. We've got some friends, well, as you know. we have the four horsemen that That's we right. put together. Hey, let me tell you something. Mike Rendino and his supporters. This is like Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, <laughs> Tully Blanchett. Uh, when Bogito is the number one private investigator and the private investigating firm in the nation. He is so mad at Rendino. He's doing surveillance on this guy. This guy can't. This guy is like Card- What? Hold on a second. Surveillance. Because, because Bo has been in the news a lot lately. Yes. Because a lot of the cast members, my friend Frank Catania, Margaret Josephs, have accused him of doing that to the cast of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Bo has gone out there and paid six on this program and constantly, vehemently denied that was the case. But you're saying... Right now, he really is providing surveillance on Rendino? Uh, Mike Rendino, you're like Kim Kardashian on the red carpet when the paparazzi are taking pictures. Bo probably has satellites <laughs> focused on you oh because God. the guy has lied. He lives out in Garden City. That's his primary residence. We have found out that he recently had a third child. God bless him and his wife, right? Well, where was the child born? Let me guess. Cohen Children's Medical Center. No, the Garden City Hospital. Oh, now my. You have great hospitals up in the Bronx. Einstein, right? The very best, right? Oh, my God. Why wouldn't you have had your child there if you lived in the Bronx? It's all a scam. And now he's in Rage Deedle from previously having stabbed him in the back. So he's doing the mayor race, doing the mayor race. Rendino promised he would give him his endorsement. And typical of Rendino, you know, promise you one moment, pull pull out the rug from you the next moment. So he's got four people all over him. And all you got to do is come on your show and defend himself. Well, he's got more than four if you include Samantha Zerka. Oh, oh, man. Who's running against his sister in District 13 in that council race, who really started all of this with me a couple of days ago on this show. You were blown away by that interview. That's where this whole thing started, and she is getting more angry by the day. She'll be at the Albanian dinner this evening that I'll be attending. There oh, they, her... She wanted to get in. I had no idea how to do it. You got her yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, she's oh, a, good, man. Uh, all yeah. the Albanians will be there. They're honoring our Kumbadi Chief Rudy Giuliani. Nice. I'll be there. And I'll find out even more detail. This is the big problem that Mike Rendino has. It's called voter fraud. If your primary residence is Garden City in Nassau County, that's where you should be voting, not from the Bronx. That is a criminal charge. And you know who's on his jockstrap on this? 
Frank Morano. You know Frank Morano. He might as well live at the the, uh, <laughs> the board of elections. This guy is a wonk when he it is. comes to that. He is. This guy cannot escape. He cannot hide. He's got the four horsemen. He's been giving an opportunity to come on the show with you. Yes. Let him come on the show. Let him explain himself. Let him um, retract all the charges. Well, I, I think, and, and I want to be accurate about this, not only have me and you, for that matter, yes. given him the opportunity to come here and do that, I, I think he reached out to Justin and actually said, I want to do that. So he reached out. We said, okay. Yep. And still no Mike Rendino. I wonder why. Remember you had Lester Chang on. Yes. Who I, who I campaigned for. They and tried remember, to screw him in Brooklyn. Right. Remember how the Democrats said, no, you live in Chinatown. You don't live in Brooklyn. He had to go and sit in an assembly hearing for four hours. They grilled him. And he proved to them that his primary residence was in Brooklyn. And by the way, not just the guy that did win. And you're right. He proved his primary residence. This guy was a, uh, he's a serviceman. He served this country proudly. Yep. I mean, he's like Tom Sullivan. Afghanistan. He's the Asian Tom Sullivan. Exactly. A hero. But the, but the point is he had to prove himself. He went before the assembly. They cross-examined him viciously. And he is now the assemblyman representing that area, one of the great uh, Asian-elected Republicans that I never get credit for, Said They never give me credit. I won the Asian vote first time a Republican candidate for mayor won the Asian vote. And then Zeldin did exactly the same in the gubernatorial race. They're no longer in the back pocket of the Democrats. Well, that's good news for you because, uh, as you stated on the show, you're not a one-and-done. You're going to try this again. And I think a lot of New Yorkers are disenchanted with Mayor Eric Adams. So knowing you won that Asian vote last time, yes. I'm going to assume you're going to win it again. Oh, the Latino Latinas. Uh, that's the next vote that has to become free agents. They can't be in the back pocket. But I want to make a statement here. I am so pissed off at some of our colleagues. Really? Yesterday, you broke the big story of the day. Unexpectedly, John Katzmatidis. Real billionaire, not this cryptocurrency crap, Bitcoin nonsense, blockchain criminality. Real money, billions of dollars, a mogul, rescued WABC from the ashes. We were dead on arrivals, remember? PLJ first cumulus knocked them off. You don't even know where WPLJ is now, right? It's in radio heaven. I got news for you, Nash, too. I mean, that was a a good country music station. They're gone. And there was no question, Mary Burner and Cumulus, they were going to kill us, We too. were next in line yeah. on the chopping block. It was like the guillotine in Paris during the <laughs> yeah. Paris Commune, right? Robespierre, <laughs> off with their head. John Margot, Red Apple Media, Chad, rescue us. Look at it, number one in the nation now. You, number one in America in the mornings. And so John comes on the air and says, I will buy CNN. Huge. And help them out of their nosedive. And you know he'll eliminate that woke culture immediately. And he will be balanced. And so he comes on the air. This makes major headlines all across the country. Lead story in the New York Post. We got hosts here. Don't even listen to the damn show here. They didn't even mention it. Don't stop it. Oh, yeah. There was another host. He's talking about Don Lemon, CNN. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Well, I could tell you one guy that never listens, but he should he was on as a guest a couple of weeks ago. He was a very good guest, very good. But he kind of mocked me for talking about Danielle, and I said, well, wait a second. You get a 2.6, yep. and I get a 7.5. Why would you mock what I do? If anything, you should do exactly what hey. I do. His name is Greg Kelly, yes, by the way. Yes. He doesn't listen, nope. so I'm sure he's one of those two guys. Yeah, yeah, yes. and the other one, Bo Snurley. 
He's talking about Don Lemon, CNN, right before. He had a good interview. Good interview with Donald Trump. President, right. Yes. Yes. And by the way, you know I'm a never-Trumper. People call me a rhino. This is who disgraciated these seven <laughs> indictments. And putting him on the rack. He's like Mel Gibson, right, at the end of Braveheart, <laughs> where they're impaling him. Enough already. This, remember, this is like in the schoolyard. Yeah. You look at the bully he was getting beaten up, because let's face it, Trump is a bully, whether you like him or you don't like him. And then you say, enough is enough. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're piling on, and then you go in there and you start throwing knuckles. This is, I couldn't, seven and that. Meantime, Joe Biden has papers that he purloined from uh, his vice president. Hold on a second. Stop the news. This is much bigger news yes. than John Katsimatidis potentially buying CNN. Curtis Arthur Sliwa just made an argument for Donald Trump and against Joe Biden. That's this right. is much bigger news. By the way, it's Curtis <laughs> Anthony Sliwa, not no, Arthur Sliwa. I got please. the A right. <laughs> but, but I want to combine the two. John Katzmatidis said what Ted Turner recently said when they asked him, Ted, do you have any regrets for giving up CNN? Because he birthed it. He goes, yeah, they're too political now. They need to be more balanced. It's exactly what John said when he said, I'll buy CNN. John was thrilled to death that I had Chuck Todd on at 625, knowing a lot of our listeners despise Chuck Todd. They hate him. By the way, it was a great interview. It was. It was. I listened to the whole thing. Me and Nancy listened to the whole thing. And those are the types of guys, whether you like them or not, agree or disagree, you got to bring on if, in fact, you're going to do a real show. And I have the role for you. No. You remember. Who was the greatest interviewer at night? Everybody wanted to be with him. Larry King from Brooklyn. Yes, Remember? He was. Yes. You and him have identical roots. He had problems. He was kiting checks all over the place. He True. should have been in federal prison, a degenerate gambler. Right. You had some personal problems. You're both from Brooklyn. Right. Started in radio, got bounced around. Then he went overnight radio. Remember? Oh, uh, there's Flip Jackson in Saskatoon, Canada. Remember? And from there, he segued into CNN because Ted oh, Turner. Before that, though, he went to Miami just like I did. Yes. And uh, to this day, I still know bookmakers in Miami that Larry King owes money to. Yes. Yes, that's what I remember. And then all of a sudden, Ted Turner said, this is my guy. And they said, what are you talking about? He's from Brooklyn. You, you don't want him. Everybody wanted to be with him. And he didn't just talk politics. He talked cultural issues, Everything. sports issues, yeah. you name it. I got to well, tell you. he had a sports background, too. Yes, Larry. yes. You yes. spoke so, with Hank Goldberg down in Miami. I'm already talking to John. I'm saying, forget. The, you want to recreate what CNN originally was. And then for Crossfire, which was the best, you had Pat Buchanan and Tom Brady, yes. equals, and they would be respectful, but they would battle. They had a host of guests. I'm thinking left versus right, Sliwa and Anthony Weiner, right? We made this all Brooklyn. Do it. All Brooklyn. It would be great. Right? You're from Brooklyn. Be I'm great. from Brooklyn. Anthony's from all Brooklyn. Brooklyn, baby. That's right, because what happens, they always say, oh, with a Brooklyn accent, you'll never be accepted in America. Look at all the sitcoms. Look at all the people who've succeeded with the Brooklyn accent. You are the next Larry King. <laughs> There's no doubt oh, about it. come on. The only a, difference is... No suspenders for me. No, you haven't had seven wives who all look the same. Right? You haven't had seven wives. He survived heart attacks, strokes. He was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day to the day he died. 
and his mother. I read his book when I was shot and recovering at Bellevue Hospital, right? From the, the hollow point bullets. I had tubes in every orifice of my body. And he's saying, you know, when I was a kid at home, my mother would say, don't take a shower and go outside. You'll get pneumonia, I said. Typical Jewish mother. And then he talked about his grandmother, his boobies and zetas. He went to Lafayette High School, remember? Sandy Koufax, Fred Wilpon. Oh, my God. Look. You never invent anything. You recreate yes. what was and what worked. And Ted Turner had the formula, and John is going to follow that formula. So I'm already putting it. I'm nudging him. <laughs> okay, you got you got oh crossfire. You got Anthony Weiner, Curtis Lee. We're right for a half hour, and then Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> The Larry King. I mean, there's nobody like Sid Rosenberg. You get to interview everybody. And uh, you know culture. You know sports. You know everything I love in this. politics. Uh, we got it, right? I Slam love dunk. it. You've, you've How nailed it. dare anybody at this station not talk about what was the number one news story yesterday? Hey, you love your check when you get it every two weeks, right? You like to watch that money go in. <laughs> you like to go out and spend it. Guess who signs your freaking checks, you morons? John Katsimatidis, who's going to make it offer for CNN. And, oh, my God, you may be part of what you think is an I and me, not an us and we, but we a family. Never side against the family. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I need your arms around me. I need to feel your touch. Momentous morning already, about 90 minutes in. Some great guests. A lot of buddies who are real hardline conservatives that sent me texts this morning that said, I've always hated Chuck Todd. For some reason, I didn't hate him this morning with you. It's not for some reason, folks. It's because, A, outside of Howard Stern, nobody does a better interview than me. Nobody. I just didn't. I just didn't. That's... Without sounding like too much of a dick, that's the reason. But secondly, because Chuck Todd, despite disagreeing with almost everything he says politically, is not an evil person. He's a dad. He's a son. He's a good guy. It's been great to me over the years. So if I made him, quote, unquote, human, as some of you said, it's because he is human. I know he's on MSNBC and NBC, but he's human. And uh, you folks enjoyed that. That makes me happy. Arthur Idala was great. I said to Artie, I said, when you go on those on Escado now, you had to run and do Channel 5, you make sure you tell her on air, because she just mentioned us two weeks ago, Rosanna, that I was just on with Sid Rosenberg, blah, blah. He did exactly that. Wow. We got to get the cut. Okay. But Arthur did start yeah. off his Channel 5 appearance with Rosanna Scotto telling her I was just on with Sid Rosenberg, WABC. The everyman. 
Every man. The every man. Every man. Right. That's right. You yes. Chuck Todd Human. That's right. I'm a Chuck Todd Human. I like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's on the shirt. Maybe we'll play Human League today. And, um, <laughs> of course, we just did a, uh, a great interview with Curtis Sliwa, and we wish his wife, Nancy, the best of luck today. And we got a great guest list the rest of the day. Brian Kilmeade, he'll be here at about 740. We're going to talk to Monica Crowley. You know, she actually interviewed President Trump on her very popular podcast, Wednesday night, two days ago, the day before he was indicted. We'll talk to Crowley coming up at about 8.10. Joseph Takapina, Trump's big-time attorney, he'll be here at 8.40. We're also going to talk to Nancy Mace, the, of course, Republican politician out of South Carolina. She's making her second appearance in a week here. I'm her fave. And it turns out she's got Fox News at about 9.20. She's got to do makeup but she said to Fox News, I need time with Sid in New York. So she's giving us 10 minutes. I've got to talk to my friend Sid. So <laughs> yeah. you make that makeup go fast, darling. That's about right. He says, dang and y'all. Dang. And then we'll talk to a Dick Girardi about tomorrow's Belmont Stakes. If you want to make money tomorrow, Tom Murrow, make sure you're listening to Dick Girardi coming up at 940. So it's a huge show. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Of course, on Sid and Friends in the Morning, this Friday edition, huge, still a come, Monica Crowley, Joseph Takapina, my girl out of South Carolina, Nancy Mace, and Dick Girardi on tomorrow's Belmont, of course. But right now, we're going to talk to a guy that does a terrific job after me every day, every weekday, 10 a.m. on 77 WABC. Brian Kilmeade puts on a spectacular show. And then, of course... He's the man at Fox News, whether it's Fox and Friends every weekday morning or his own show, One Nation, 8 p.m. on Saturday nights, which is not good but great. He owns it, man. He runs the joint. Here he is on a Friday morning, my buddy Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. What's going on, Sid? I will say next week I'm hosting the 8, the 8 o'clock show. So we got to get you on that. Oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love that. So so uh, next week you're going to be doing Fox, Fox and Friends, then 10 o'clock WABC, then the 8 p.m. show and One Nation, all of them. Doing all, doing it all. you got to be making like, uh, I don't know, like Mike Francesa money, no? Very similar. Uh, in fact, we both, we, we, deposit, we have direct deposit into the same account, so I see the money. Uh, but his has not increased in a while because he's in retirement. That's true, you're right. I, I don't have that, uh, Francesca money. I have to make it. Yeah, Are you I know. kidding? Yeah, I know. And you work hard. You do a terrific job. So that 8 p.m. slot is great. Congratulations. Not like you need stuff to talk about here, Brian, every day. I know. I will say this, though. The media gets uh, all hysterical, and you're part of it, you're part of the problem. Uh, they get all hysterical about this air quality thing. I mean, you got the mayor and the governor telling people to stay home. Don't stay home. They told you to stay home during COVID. They're telling you to stay home now. They're incentivizing people. We're already the laziest, least productive society in the world. Don't stay home. Put on a mask if you have to. Go outside. Today the air quality is 180. Dubai has that every single day. I know it was 482 days ago. But this has become, in my opinion, a ridiculous, overblown issue. I've got asthma. I didn't die the last two days. 
go to work, put on a mask, and let's move on. But but the media makes it, I know these guys were orange, making it sound like, oh, my God, people are going to die every day. Come on. Listen, I feel the same way as you. Tell me once. You tell me the air quality. Tell me what it means. I have no idea what 183 means over 500. Now I do. And I know it normally used to be 50. Now I get it. And now I'll make my own decision. Enough. But I did, did not help that my wife brought my dogs to the vet. Uh, she got three of them into a Tahoe, which is unbelievable. Uh, and they're all <laughs> way over 100 pounds. Wow. And they, she goes, whatever you do, don't take them for a walk. I'm like, what? Don't take the dogs for a walk? So you need to get these dogs out. So, I mean, I have the vet scaring my wife into not taking the dogs out. So you better not go out. So I, I refuse. Tell me what the deal is. Do not tell me to wear a mask. Do not tell me I can't go out. I did notice people. By the way, I also have to challenge you. We're pretty productive. Not everybody. But you compare us to Europe. You know, we are productive. These guys take two-hour lunches. They want to retire at 60. You know, they have no ambition. I mean, we, we do work hard. We take less vacation than any other country. I don't know. China doesn't really record their vacations. Where are they going to go anyway? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they really come here. I got you, you can talk all you want about Europe. I, I was in London, uh, what, three times last year, and they got the same stuff we've got, financial districts, theater districts. It's clean. There are no guns. It's beautiful. They may take a two-hour nap, but their quality of life is a thousand times better than ours. They do. They did a very good job at Ted Lasso. I got to give you credit. Yeah, that's that a, a great, great show. Production? That is a great show. Yes, I Did you see that. the end? No, I did not. Okay, I shouldn't ruin it for you. No. I was getting disappointed until the last three episodes. And the last three were that good? Yeah, because I'm a soccer guy, and they actually had some moments that didn't embarrass me as a soccer guy. That you said, okay, they actually made an effort. You know, I know it's you can't sell a soccer show in America. I no, get it. No. But at least you could be true to the school. And do you want me to tell you a little more about this? Not really. I, I mean, I couldn't okay. care less. Although I All will right. say this. We'll talk you, about it offline. You say you can't sell soccer in America. And Lionel Messi going to Miami with our guy David Beckham as part owner of that team, that is a huge story. Huge. It, thank you for saying that because you're a sports guy with perspective, but usually American sports guys, unless they have a soccer background, cannot appreciate it. Just know this. At his prime, could go anywhere in the world, turn down $1 billion, literally $1 billion from Saudi Arabia, and said, I'm going to go to America I'm going to play for last place Miami. I'm going to be an owner in the future. I want to be here. And when he lit up the world, I guess it was six months ago in the World Cup, I said to myself, wow, that will probably make it impossible to come because he always wants to be here. And now he's going to come. And this guy's 5'8 and un uncoverable. And he will be in New Jersey. The NYCFC already played Miami. So he'll be in New Jersey, I think, in July. They should probably take the medal ends. And not even play Red Bulls Arena. They will sell out seventy thousand if they could. They're sell. They're averaging sixty thousand in Atlanta, and Nashville, and in Portland, and in Seattle. They just go into huge stadiums. New Jersey's having trouble. They were twenty fourth out of twenty eighth, but they will probably be able to sell out MetLife. I agree with you, Brian. Can meet here on this uh, Friday morning. Uh, of course, the big story today is another Donald Trump indictment. We knew it was coming. We've known for days. His attorneys met, of course, with uh, Smith a couple of days ago. And the indictment comes down tomorrow. And look, there are two schools of thought here. Mine is simply, here we go again, right? I mean, they tried two impeachments. Now it's two indictments. They don't stop. They're embarrassing themselves. They've turned the DOJ into a weapon. They'll do anything to get this man. They haven't gotten him yet. I mean, even E. Jean Carroll, rape, 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 wasn't raped. 
And at this point, I think it's become embarrassing for the folks on the left. But they say, hey, wait a second. Your guy's a creep. He's corrupt. He's a liar. He continues to do things that are worthy of all of this. So they're the two schools of thought. Again, I think this is embarrassing for this DOJ and this administration. And I do think he'll find a way to get out of this, Donald Trump, because he always does. But it's not a very good day for President Trump. You know, I, I'm. You know, when you dive into it, you say, I just say this. If you are going to steal documents, don't get a bunch of interns in blue blazers at 2 in the afternoon to grab cardboard boxes and in full view of the world press while they wait for the president to board a helicopter, they walked up steps and put them in. Nobody was stealing anything. He's thought, he's like, take it all. You know, just take it. So no, if you steal something, you don't do it at 2 in the afternoon on the White House lawn. And you see video of all these boxes going, and they put them in storage, and I guess he was looking through them sometimes and sometimes not. And then they say, okay, give them back. He gave back a lot of them. They say, you know, think you have more. They go, come visit. Comes and visits. They come in, and one thing he says, guys, whatever you do, whatever you need, go take it. He goes back and goes starts golfing. And then they interview literally the pool boy. They interview his former chief of staff. They make his lawyer testify against their client. And Jack Smith, fresh off a stint in The Hague, finds out that he now has a seven-count indictment on the president on documents, where if you had an organized system, and you've had 45 presidents to get this right, you walk over before he leaves, any president leaves, and say, you could take this, you can't take that, you could take this, you can't take that, and then we're done. And then you request it for your library, like uh, maybe Obama did or didn't, and you move on. But because they have no organized system and Trump is Trump, now we're looking at the whole world looking at us saying, wait a second, the guy that's leading to be the Republican nominee is being pursued by the by the Democratic president's Department of Justice. Excuse me, honey, that seems a little weird. And that we are the beacon of democracy that's supposed to be an example for everyone. Instead, we look like we're doing the Pakistan playbook. Yep. <laughs> Once you lose, arrest the other guy. Yeah. And, you know, but listen, I know I agree with everything you just said. But for what it's worth, I had Judge Napolitan, uh, Napolitano on yesterday. Audie Idala, the last two days, the great main defense attorney. And they both think, despite all you just said, and I agree, that this is serious, you know, maybe not jail time, but certainly could mean the end of Trump's campaign. Again, I don't think so, but there's a lot of very smart people out there that think this one, unlike the state indictment by Alvin Bragg, this is a federal indictment, completely different ballgame, that this one is very, very serious. I, I just don't see it. I mean, number one, he's running for office. And what are they, they got to get him and indict him and convict him. Before November 2024, if he gets the nomination, we're not going to know until November if he wins or not. And with Arizona, we'll probably have to wait till January. So, and then <laughs> then they're going to go, okay, uh, go on trial. And he's going to go if I, if he wins, he's going to say, excuse me, by the power vested in me, I'm pardoning myself. And number two, every Republican's going to pledge to pardon him. So they're going to say, listen, what uh, don't you know? Vote for me. I'm going to pardon him anyway. And I think he'll probably have a strong case. What I don't, what I love is Jim Trusty. This guy is awesome. He's going to be on today on Fox and Friends. I, I knew him before. Dana Perino said, Brian, if you ever need a lawyer uh, for your show, put on Jim Trusty. I go, this guy's awesome. I couldn't believe he signed on with Trump because I thought he was just more of a Bush guy. And he's been, he's going to be on today. And he makes sense. A lot of these other lawyers don't make any sense. And evidently they're not coordinating. What blows me away is, 
listen, if Sid is in trouble, I want, and I'm paying lawyers, I want you talking to each other. I want my best defense. All these stories about Boris Epstein not to, not allowing the president to get any bad news and not allowing lawyers to talk to each other and access, that to me could be the president's undoing, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I've heard those stories, too. I've spoken to Boris, as you know, we're friendly, and, of course, he denies all that, and Takapina's going to join me in about an hour. He denies all that, but uh, who knows? Usually, Brian, as you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, on the cover of today's New York Post, while the world is talking Donald Trump today, listen to this. This is the cover. Hail to the thieves. There's a picture of Donald Trump, and it reads, Trump indicted for taking classified documents. Then there's a picture of Joe Biden, and it reads, Ukrainian bizman. I bribed Biden for $10 million. And this goes back to Chris Ray, the FBI document. Again, my yeah. friend Nancy Mace, all over it today. So while Trump will be talked about at every circle this afternoon, why not the guy in charge right now who clearly, clearly took money from other governments around the world? Yeah, and this is only one bank account they got into. There's 20 others. And evidently, this was set up in a way, according to the 1023 whistleblower, who has gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars as a credible source for the FBI in the past. So go ahead. Punch holes, whoever this is. Punch holes in his credibility. Then I want to know who's writing checks to him, asking him for to be a resource. So here here it is. This guy gets $5 million for Hunter. He says $5 million for Joe because Hunter is too dumb. They want Joe in there. And Joe does it, takes it as vice president. This guy comes forward. Gives the statement under oath. William Barr looks at this and says, I'm kicking this over to Delaware. This is serious. I don't want people saying that I'm doing, you know, I'm the, I'm the attorney general for the, you know, the president's administration. I don't want people saying that this is me going after Joe Biden again, especially fresh off the impeachment. And it just dies at the, at Delaware. And this Jamie Raskin comes out and does his Adam Schiff impersonation and says, I read the document. It's no big deal. It's an investigation. It was closed by William Barr. William Barr says, wait a second. I'm still alive, and I never close the investigation, and that's not what the paper says. And everybody, then in comes the whole oversight committee, and Marjorie Taylor Greene says, no, it has nothing to do with that. So people are believing Jamie Raskin, who is just coming out lying like Adam Schiff did for four years, and then people who are Democrats or moderates and say, I don't know who to believe. Well, one guy is flat out lying about a, a document Christopher Ray wouldn't even acknowledge existed. So on the day that's done, and I want you to play this soundbite if I can, Sid. I'm going to play it, but I'm sure you will. He gets a he gets a question screamed at him. Does the president? It says that you were bribed five million dollars. You brought you got five million dollars from Ukraine. He looks at it and he goes, "Well, when there, well, where where is the money?" Right. He stops and realizes what he said and says, yep. uh, "It's all malarkey. It's all malarkey. Where right. is the money?" He's right. almost daring you. Find the money. Go ahead. Yeah, he actually uh, said, what a joke, a bunch of malarkey. I mean, he's clearly guilty, there's no doubt. I'm just curious how much time, because, you know, Chuck Todd was on earlier, and, uh, you know, the, the media just won't discuss it. They'll discuss Trump all day long, two impeachments, two indictments, but Joe Biden, you'll get nothing. And finally, on the way out, no matter how much money you're making, Brian, radio, TV, you're, a, you're an author, you're a legitimate legitimate media star and a terrific guy no matter how much money you're making you're never going to make uh, more today than if you were related to mayor eric adams true or false true is this unbelievable did you know that you could get your longtime partner a job for two hundred and twenty thousand dollars or your sister-in-law 
a raise of up to $120,000. For number one, I did not know you can make that much. I really didn't uh, as an advisor to a city, a New York City advisor. $220,000. Don't tell me you can't balance the budget and these people are making this money. And he, that's so in your face. I mean, look at, we know Donald Trump kept his family around him. I mean, Andrew Jackson was the first one to say, I just want my family here. I don't trust anyone in Washington. I understand you want people like you, you want your brother head up security, but this is embarrassing at this point, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing at this point, but there's been other things equally, if not more embarrassing, but this one tough to explain away. Either way, have yourself a great weekend. Uh, who's coming up on One Nation tomorrow night? Uh, well, I'm definitely going to have Judge Janine. You love her. Uh, love her. And you respect her. Love her. I'm yes. going to have uh, Will Kane. I'm going to have Pete Hegseth. Uh, I think we're going to get Jim Trusty on. Uh, my hope is uh, we'll get him. And now I got to blow. I'm going to, after since last night at 8 o'clock, Sid, blowing up the whole lineup. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a brand new show by about 9 o'clock in the morning today. I love so it. I got to yeah. blow up the lineup because of yeah. the two revelations, the Biden right. revelations and the Trump revelations. Well, now you got to book Frank Morano, no? Well, Frank Morano, very interesting. He does think uh, the air quality is a big deal and was oh, almost m- mad at me for oh, saying that uh, enough. I don't want to be told no. what to do. Oh, so yeah, Frank yeah. Morano has a different take yeah. than you. Yeah, I know. Stupid take. I love the way John Katzmatidis is going to buy CNN. That's so right. you might have a simulcast. Well, not we might be rivals. Right. That's exactly. If, if he buys it, it's 1,000% going to happen. And as much as I say nice things about you, it's, it's all sincere. You know that I love you. I'm going to destroy you guys in the morning. Destroy you. <laughs> I'm going to be close. <laughs> right. Ask him when you start. Ask we'll, him when rehearsal starts. Well, we're going, to, we're going to find out soon. Don't you worry. In fact, you may be in a position where you may want to leave Fox News and come sit next to me at CNN. Well, no, no. No, it's going to be Sid and Poppy Harlow. Oh. <laughs> Sid and Poppy. I love it. Hey, listen, great job as always. Have a great weekend. We'll be watching this morning, listening later on today, and watching tomorrow night. You're the man, Brian. Thank you so much. Right. Uh, and then let's all go to Gristidis and talk about our new format. All right? <laughs> See you later. See you later. Him, Take care. There he is on after me every morning at 10 o'clock. And again, Fox and Friends in One Nation. That's my good buddy. I really do love that guy, Brian Kilmeade. A lot more to come, including Monica Crowley, Joseph Takapina, and Nancy Mace. The Friday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sydney. I love you so much. Blames the one before and all of
know that I'm a hostage for all his hopes and fears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. Mike Rutherford, Mike and the Mechanics, starting our 8 o'clock hour as we started our 6 o'clock hour. That was my father singing happy birthday to me literally three months before I lost him back in July of 2020. And today happens to be my dad's birthday, June the 9th. So as I said two hours ago, Daddy, if you're listening, I hope you are. If you are, I just want to wish you a happy birthday. I miss you. A lot. It's also my niece Maxie Baker's birthday, and if I don't say that, my sister Ray Sherry and brother Albert will get pissed, and she'll get pissed. So, happy birthday, Maxie, who's a wonderful kid, but I really miss my father. And so many good things going on in our lives, me, Danielle, even Gabe, and you'd be so proud. So, happy birthday, Pop. Um, It goes fast, man. That's what this is all about. Everything goes yeah. Super sonic fast. Yeah. And you try to tell everybody that as you're growing up. It's true. They don't think it's it. true. I mean, the good news is, unlike the song says, I did tell him when he was alive how much I loved him. And he told me every day. I tell everybody the same thing. I was in this business for 22 years. A lot of shows. New York, WFAN, 1010 Wins, WNEW, WABC, Miami. 790, the ticket, WQAM, 640 sports. And at one point syndicated in over 70 markets across America by Sports Fan Radio Network and Joel Hollander, Westwood One. I've done a lot. I miss Stern, all of it. Not a day went by when my father didn't send me a text message and say, Sid, that was a great show. I said, I said Daddy, stop, come on. He say it every day. They can't all be great. He said, no, you really are great. And I miss that text message. The most, and that was the hardest thing. That first Monday morning, when we came back from Newport, Rhode Island, and went back on the air, and the show ended, and my father didn't send me a text message. So, um, I miss you, Pop. Happy birthday! All right, uh, we continue with the news of the day. We've had a great show already. Chuck Todd was great this morning. I don't care if you like him or not; he was great. Uh, then, of course, we spoke to Arthur Idala, who did mention us with Rosanna Scotto on Fox 5. Thank you, Arthur. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade. My next guest, I really respect this lady. She does a tremendous job. She worked, of course, in the Trump White House alongside Steve Mnuchin. She's been a media darling for years, has a great podcast, the Monica Crowley podcast. And, by the way, just happened to interview President Trump on that great podcast just two days ago. Literally the day before he gets indicted, Monica Crowley had him on her podcast. With that said, here she is. Good morning, Monica. How are you? Hey, good 
Good morning, Sid. I am doing very well. Thank you. It's always such a joy to talk to you. Uh, thank you for saying that. And it's uh, the feeling is mutual. I love having you on the air, too. You're great. You're great. So you spoke to President Trump, and Justin and I listened to a bunch of it back in the uh, room this morning before we started this show. And he sounded uh, in good spirits. You know, I think he had to know what was happening the very next day. But he talked about a plethora of serious subjects with you. Didn't seem downtrodden or upset. That's the feeling you got, yes? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He was in great spirits. And, you know, when I talked to him about two days ago, we had all heard the rumors that this indictment from the Department of Justice was probably going to come down. His team had been alerted. So, you know, he obviously knew that this was going to happen. And by the way, this is not the only indictment that is going to occur. We've got Alvin Bragg, and now we've got two other investigations, one connected to January 6th, and one connected to Georgia, the Atlanta, the uh, Atlanta, Georgia case. So there could be two other indictments coming down the pike. So he's operating in reality. I mean, we can't believe that this is happening to our country, but he is operating in reality that because he is an existential threat to the entire corrupt ruling class, that they have to destroy him. They cannot allow him to succeed because that upsets their entire corrupt gravy train and their whole power apple cart. So he he operates in reality, and he knew that this was likely to come this week, and yet he was in great, great spirits with me. And, you know, the very first question that I asked him, Sid, it was a personal question, and and the whole conversation is so conversational. It's, it's, a, it's a chat between friends, and I recommend it to everybody because it's not a standard interview yeah. with him. Yeah, I've uh, known him a long time, and yeah. right? It was like a yes. friendly chat. It really was. And, uh, I, yes. Oh, thank you. I yes. recommend uh, uh, people listen, too, because it wasn't the everyday Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, same old, same old. And I will tell you that my uh, interview with him was same, like yours, also very chatty, very conversational, Yours was great, and folks, check it out, the Monica Crowley podcast. I did see this last night from Dan Bongino, and it reads, People who've had their political opponents arrested, Mao Zedong, Stalin, Mussolini, Castro, Hitler, Idi Amin, Joe Biden. This is fact. So I've been on this tear since last night that this is clearly, clearly an attempt by the left, led by the DOJ, really embarrassing, to destroy Trump politically. That's it. You know, got two indictments. You had two impeachments last year. But Chuck Todd said to me this morning, he said, you may be right, Sid, but is it possible? Is it possible that Donald Trump does these things and brings on his own, you know, his own, these actions that are going against him? Does Donald Trump get any other blame? Now, I couldn't find a way to blame the president, but maybe more rational people could. What do you think? Well, I think Donald Trump was and remains the fighter and the disruptor that this country needs to destroy the corrupt ruling class on both sides of the aisle and their absolute grip on power. And therefore, they need to mobilize, and they have since 2015, in order to try to stop him. And so they have looked for any opening whatsoever to try to exploit that and then make up a a series of lies around that little opening in order to try to get them. And that's why for the last 
eight years, you know, the very first question that I asked him, Sid, in, in my interview with him is, you know, you've been at this now for eight years, having never done any of this before. Um, as you look back and as you look ahead, what shocked you the most? And he paused and he said, how incredibly dishonest our government is. And he said, you know, I, I thought that there were corrupt individuals in the government, like in any government. He said, but I didn't realize how widespread and systemic the corruption is. And that corruption is what feeds these uniparty globalists in our government and the shadowy deep state and the permanent administrative state. They, they only are there to enrich and empower themselves and change the very nature of this country and try to get us to a one-world government. That's their objective, with them, of course, at the top. So anybody who stands in their way needs to be politically taken out. Yeah. And Donald Trump, and if you go all the way back to, to Richard Nixon, and some people go all the way back to JFK and his assassination, anybody who stands in their way and becomes an obstacle needs to be removed from power. And Donald Trump is the most stubborn obstacle that they have ever faced. And he's a fighter and he fights back. So they are in search of a crime. It's the old Stalinesque, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. They are in search of something. And in the case of like the Russia hoax and the two fake impeachments and everything else, they will make up a pack of lies yep. about Donald Trump and try to get it to stick to remove him from power. So I do not, President Trump in my mind has done nothing wrong. They have created this web of lies around him and they've got the amplification of a corrupt press in order to make their point. And they will not stop until this man is behind bars. I agree. This is uh, the great Monica Crowley. Check out her latest podcast. She dropped it Wednesday night. She spoke to President uh, Donald Trump. I agree with everything you just said. And I love the fact that he used the word systematic because we hear that word all the time with these morons on the left who describe racism in this country as systematic. And, of course, they can't define what that means. They're always asking me to define it when, in fact, they can't define it. But I can absolutely define systematic corruption, and Trump is right. That has been our government for a very, very long time. Now the question becomes, as Alan Dershowitz said yesterday, on Katz and Cosby, Monica, it's one thing to indict someone. You can indict a ham sandwich. But, but, unlike Alvin Bragg here in New York City, federal indictments are usually very, very bad news for the person being charged. In fact, over 90% end up being guilty. And there is 10% that are not, but that is a very daunting number for President Trump. So moving forward, despite him putting on the brave face, and I'm innocent, what do you think really happens here to President Trump? Well, I think in all four cases, assuming the next two indictments come um, on the January 6th case. Those those two are going to be a joke. I mean, I, 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 this one is serious because if, in fact, they can prove that he coerced people not to say stuff, if there's something on paper, I, you know, January 6th to me, Georgia, that's uh, that's nonsense. To me, this was the one that scared me from day one. And now that I got the indictment, to me, I'm not a lawyer, but I speak to lawyers every day. Forget about the next two. This is the one that can hurt him. 
Yeah. And look, they're all a joke and they're all designed for harassment and to drain his resources and keep him distracted and keep him off the campaign trail. I mean, remember, in 2020, in order to try to stop him, they literally shut down the global economy. There was a crazy virus. They shut down the global economy. And then Antifa and Black Lives Matter burned down America. And then they rigged the election. Yeah. So, you know, they literally pulled out all the stops in 2020. So is there a crisis plan next year to have him so tied up in four different courts that he can't campaign? Maybe. And they probably have other stuff up their sleeves, too. But to your question about the uh, federal case, you are absolutely right that it is the most serious and the most daunting for him. Um, But the difference between an average person facing federal charges and a former president and a current presidential candidate, by the way, is that he can appeal this all the way to the Supreme Court. Right. This will be tied up with appeals. I I assume he's going to get convicted on all of this because all of these venues are deep blue. He cannot get a fair trial anywhere. Right. Well, well, first of all, this this is different. Uh, But I think I said systematic. Obviously, it's systemic. If I said systematic, uh, it's systemic. This is different now. This is a federal judge. It's not about and and he is in Miami. I mean, if it did come down to the state, he's got a much better shot there than New York. But this is a federal judge. So, you know, the the blue folks don't really matter much in this case. Right. Well, you're the jury and you've got a jury and the jury is down in Miami, which is better for Trump than a jury here in New York. Well, yes, the odds are better in Florida for him than certainly they are in Washington, D.C. or New York. That is 100 percent true. And there are huge constitutional questions here because he is a former president and, and going up against the Justice Department of a sitting president who also happens to be his biggest challenger for the next presidential election. So he's got huge, a huge constitutional case here as well. And so, you know, he's going to appeal this, and it could go all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, Jack Smith, the special prosecutor here, has brought a couple of different political cases, um, including one against the Virginia governor, uh, McDonald, I think his name was, um, and he lost at the Supreme Court 8-0. <laughs> it was like a unanimous right. Uh, vote. And he's done another uh, political case where he also lost 8-0. So this is using the courts for political uh, warfare. It's called lawfare. And it's about harassing your political opponents. But Trump actually has uh, the ability to go all the way with appeals. Are they going to hold trials next year? I don't think anything past these leftists said. I think that they want them in court all of the year during the primary, during the general election campaign, tied up, distracted, putting money on these cases. I'm, uh, I'm losing money here at the very end. Yeah. Trump, Trump is like a superhero. Every single time he says, we're just. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing we'll lo- we'll losing, put, put her on hold, but uh, she's right. Uh, Trump is like a superhero. That was a 10-minute a conversation for nine and a half minutes. Monica Crowley sounded great, sounded great, and then she must have moved a couple of feet the last 30 seconds. We had difficulty hearing her, but uh, it was a great conversation, and she's right. Trump has been a superhero, and uh, you would expect, you would hope at least if you're a Trump supporter, that remains the case, but again, federal... Uh, Boy, a federal case, it's scary. Monica, I've got 30 seconds if you want to wrap up here, 30 seconds. You were you were doing great for nine and a half minutes, and I lost you on that phone, so wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry about that. That must be the NSA or the CIA <laughs> trying to stop our conversation, Ted. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, um, Ted. And there it goes again. All right. Uh, thank you. So I, I want folks to go to Monica Crowley's podcast. Monica Crowley's podcast. She interviewed President Trump on Wednesday, two days ago. It is a great interview, and that was great, too. Thank you, Monica Crowley. John Katzenmatini is going to stop by in a couple of minutes. He wants to talk about this indictment. Then we'll talk to Trump big-time attorney Joseph Tacopina. How about this, guest? It's a big one, second time in a week. Congresswoman out of South Carolina, Nancy Mace. She's all involved in this Joe Biden case. She's going to join us live coming up at 9.05. We'll also talk Belmont Stakes with Dick Girardi, the third leg of the Triple Crown. He'll be here at 9.40. Lots more good stuff to come on this, the Friday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Didn't get to tell him. All the things I had to say I think I caught his spirit Later that same year I'm sure I heard his echo In my baby's newborn tears I just wish I could have told him Talk Radio 77 WABC This is Sit and Friends in the Morning 77 WABC. Is she really going out with him? Well, there she is. Let's ask her. Betty, is that Jimmy's ring you're wearing? Mm-hmm. Gee, it must be great riding with him. Is he picking you up after school today? Mm-mm. By the way, where'd you meet him? All right, we've had a uh, tremendous show already today, folks. Chuck Todd, Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, and most recently, Monica Crowley. Still to come, Joseph Takapina out of South Carolina, Nancy Mace, big, big deal, Congresswoman. And Dick Girardi will be here picking winners for tomorrow's uh, Belmont Stakes. I guess they're going to run it. We'll find out from Dick. But joining me right now is The Man. It's all you need to know, folks. The Man. Has two great shows on this station every weekday at 5, Cats and Cosby. The best guests on any show in America every Sunday morning at 8, the Cats Roundtable. And soon to be the owner of CNN, where he will simulcast this show, my friend John Cats Matiti. Well, you caused quite a stir yesterday, John. Well, you know, let me me tell you something. Nobody understands what the heck uh, uh, the the, the people that call the shots at CNN did. Uh, they brought in their normal audience is what, 400,000 a night? That's it. And that's it. And, and, uh, the, the new guy came in. He says, well, let me try an experiment. And he brought in Donald Trump and he got three and a half million, four million uh, listeners or viewers. Yeah. And they fired him for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't make any business sense. No. It's like the other one I heard on Fox the other day. Uh, the department store Lulu. Lululemon? Uh, Lululemon. Yeah. You know what they did? what they do? The, the, the manager of the place that cares about his store, uh, stopped the shoplifters. You know, guess what? They arrested the manager. They, they fired the manager. Ay, ay, ay. Worse than that. Ay, they, come on. I, I mean, what is this world coming to? Who, hey, I don't know who owns Lululemon, but short the stock. I mean, if they have a mentality like that, yeah, then that management team, 
The management How do you team, say, what's the nicest way to say it? Sucks. Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. But uh, unfortunately, much like other products we see in America today, women love to work out. Women love to look good when they work out. So even a negative story like this, Lululemon is still going to sell their tight pants. No, absolutely correct. Yeah. But how do the shareholders feel? I don't know. Now, yeah, look, yeah. look what happened. It started with Bud Light. The Bud Light went down. Ready for the number? You're sitting down? Yeah. Like $20 billion, $25 billion. Oof. Target went down substantially. I think $7 billion. Disney World. Disney went from $200 a share, $170 a share, down to 100 And when I talked to Ford, when we talked, and, and I said to them, look, you know, this is what happened to all these people. Uh, if... Uh, the American people put you on a crap list. What happens? You're in trouble. Can you afford to take a $14 billion hit on your stock price? Me? No, uh, I'm for it. Oh. <laughs> I would need $14 billion to begin with. No, you can't. But it's funny you say that. The American people are revolting. They are revolting. But they're taking a hit, right? They're taking a hit. What about the former president of the United States? What if I said to you, he's taking a hit? This is a relentless effort, and now they've involved the DOJ. I'm sorry, George, upstairs, but for the Department of Justice, the FBI, all these fine folks, to go out of their way to find a way to put this guy in jail or end his political career, John, I'm sorry, it's embarrassing. Now, there's a little bit of changes happening in Washington. Uh, in, that President Biden, about... Two months ago, three months ago, they changed chiefs of staff. There's a few changes that I've seen happening, and I'm hoping for what's best. Uh, the first one is uh, my friend, uh, Senator Dan Sullivan from Alaska, yeah. went to the Oval Office, went to the White House, and guess what? He made a deal that Alaska gets to pump another 250,000 barrels a day. Right. That brought the price of oil down to the 70s, and people don't realize that. You're going to have cheap, cheaper airline uh, tickets because of the crude oil being down to 70. So what happened last week? The Friday before, crude oil was down to $68. The, the Saudis panicked. So you know what they did on Sunday morning? Oh, we're going to cut. We're going to cut uh, more production. Saw that. And I think the American people, I think the world traders finally have uh, the pulse on it, and it didn't go up. The previous time it went up back up to 85. This time it only went up to like 72, and it's backing off already. So what happens when when President Biden got in and he started to crap with, with uh, uh, fossil fuels? And shutting with, down the pipelines. And shutting down the pipelines. Yeah. Oil went from $55 to $125. We took a trillion dollars worth of wealth, wealth from North America over to Russia and the OPEC nations. Right. I mean, guys. Come on. A trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. And, and, and it, it, it did not have to happen. Then, then because the price of oil doubled and the price of uh, uh, your heating oil went up, uh, the price of your food went up, because everything was associated with oil. So what happens? The Fed says, well, we can't control the White House. 
See, the Fed says we can't control the White House. So we're going to try to control inflation through our system. Raising interest rates. Raise interest rates. Right. And guess what? Just wipe out the, you know. They the, wiped out, they, they wiped out a, a trillion dollars worth of wealth originally. Right. Now, raising interest rates, it's wiping out the real estate industry. Yeah. And there's another shoe that's going to fall. The banks are so nervous to make loans because they're worried about their own existence that they're not going to make any corporate loans. They're not no, going to stop. No, no small business loans. I know. I know. You were probably nervous when you uh, try to get the money for your beautiful, beautiful building in St. Petersburg. Now, you got it. You we got, got it. it because, you know, I was capable of writing a check for the whole thing without borrowing the money. But I got it. But I got it. They wanted to. The last, when I built Coney Island, the interest rate was like 3%. When we built St. Pete, and we're building now, it's going, it's beautiful. Uh, it's 8%. 8%? Yes. John. So all these things are the reason why America needs back Donald Trump. The American people know that. We need that. common sense. Well, whether it's Donald Trump or whatever, we need well, common sense. Common sense is fine, but you will admit this. All these things you're talking about, inflation, High interest rates, oil, gas. When Donald Trump was president, did we have these issues? Joe Biden, I love him dearly, but whoever's calling the shots at the White House made the American people, the poor people, poorer, and the middle class poorer. Right. Did Donald Trump do that? No. And this is why we want it back, and this is why the left is on this relentless pursuit, John Two impeachments, now two indictments, both state and federal, to destroy him. And they may do it. This is a very serious thing here today. This is a very serious thing. You never know when uh, some federal judges say, yeah, you're guilty. Ding. That's it. Game over. You know, federal judges are, you know, uh, I used to say they, they sit in a chair near God. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's true. But what he has going for him is usually it takes about a year after the indictment, then you've got appeals. And don't forget, the FBI still has protocol in place. You really can't bring charges for a guy that served uh, was running for president. So the time, the time here, John Katzmatidis, may work out well for Donald Trump to finish the campaign and win before he can still serve in prison. I just, listen, I just want what's best for the American people. Yeah. This country has been good to me and my family and yeah. good to you and your family. Sure. And, and, and it's... It shouldn't go down like this. And I see, like, I could tell we had these discussions. And, and, been, and this migrant's coming in. What uh, the terrible. hell is going on? I don't know, but you better make room at your Hamptons house, John. That's all I can tell well, you. Well, they're going to call us up and they're going to say, <laughs> how many rooms do you have? I have ten rooms. How many are you using? <laughs> well, you know who did that? Who? Castro. That's true. And if you remember the movie Dr. Zhivago. Of course. The Russians did it, yeah. too. You got a mansion? You got 20 rooms? We're going to send you 20, 40 migrants. Yeah, let me figure it out. One room for you and Margo, I mean, one for Junior, one for uh, AJ. Yeah, we're, we're joking around, but let me tell you something. Crap like that could happen. I know. So you, you know, you're a, you're a happy guy. One thing about you, John, I love working with you, for you, because you're a happy guy. I know you've gone through some things, but you don't really show it. You're a happy guy. But I know you're dejected. I know there's a part of you that is concerned and dejected about the future of this city, State and country. I love it. I love our city. And let me tell you something. I was uh, at the restaurant Smith and Walensky's yesterday. Yeah. When Eric Adams, when Mayor Adams said, uh, stay home. 
You know how many tables were were occupied at Smith and Walensky's? Like three. Well, you know what I said yesterday. I know you listen. My advice was not to stay home. They told us to stay home during COVID. Now stay home. John, stop incentivizing people to stay home. We're lazy enough. Not you, not me. We're lazy enough as it is. If we drive down 3rd Avenue, up 3rd Avenue, down 2nd Avenue, down Lexington Avenue, the amount of empty stores. Crazy. It's crazy. I know. And I'm waiting for the new report to come in on sales tax collected. Don't forget what Tom DiNapoli said to us, that the month of April, it was $17 billion budget, and they only came in with 10. That's right. He's hoping it was an anomaly. Mm. Well, let's see what May is. May, we should have the May numbers any day now. I'm sure they have it. And Tom DiNapoli, please call me later. Let me know what those numbers are. No, Tom DiNapoli is a good guy. Tom DiNapoli like Tom. is a yes. good guy. Yes. He, he tells it the way it is. I like Tom. He's one of my, uh, I do like him very much, actually. So, uh, you got the, uh, the big show coming up at five, and I would imagine that this Trump indictment will be the majority of today's talk, or, you know, you got the Biden stuff, too, taking 10 we, million. We have two pre-meetings. We have a pre-meeting at noontime, 11.45 noontime. Okay, what the heck are we going to talk about at 5 o'clock? Right. And then at 4 o'clock, we have the, f- the final meeting of what the heck we're going to talk about I at know. 5 o'clock. Remember, don't forget there was one week where I actually sat in with you. In fact, you missed one day because of Martin Luther King. You were traveling back from Pennsylvania. So I took part in those meetings. Hey, that's a fun show, man. You do a great job, and I enjoyed that week very, very much. Well, our numbers at 5 o'clock, we haven't caught you yet, that's it. <laughs> right. But our numbers at 5 o'clock are to the moon. Number one, killing Sean yeah. Hannity. Yeah. Killing Sean Hannity. Yep. Not surprised. I love you, man. Thank you. This was a Thank great you. conversation. Have a great day. You too. And every time you come on, mind you, the uh, streaming numbers go through the roof. They did yesterday. And I know they are right now. So, Margo, send them over when you have a chance. And uh, if you do get to the Hamptons, have a great weekend. You too. All Thank right. you very much. That's my guy. I love him. I really do. house? Uh, I think Wednesday. God bless you. I Thank know. you. Are you having a housewarming party? Of course. All You'll right. be there. You'll be there. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, John. That's John Katsimatidis, not just a great boss and a genius, but... One of the biggest hearts you'll ever, you'll never meet a guy with a bigger heart. I do. I love him. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. That sounds so good. Dead. I know Joseph Tacopino loves this song. Yes, one of Donald Trump's main attorneys. Certainly 
on the Alvin Bragg case and the E. Jean Carroll case, but my man Tack gets consulted on every case. I'm the best lawyer in the country. I know my beautiful wife, Danielle, is listening right now. Dan, you're right there, you and Artie, too, but Takapina has, uh, for many, many, many years, he has represented the biggest and the best. In fact, I saw something on Meek Mill two days ago. Takapina represented him. You've been hearing about Yaron Bandersloot coming back to America. Takapina represented him. I saw Lilo Brancato on Instagram yesterday. Takapina, you know, represented him and, of course, Donald Trump. So here he is, my dear friend of 46 years, Joseph Takapina. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Sydney. What a night. Holy moly. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I, I told I mean, this story earlier in the program that there you are sitting with our mutual friend, Vinny Viola, who owns the Florida Panthers. Your kid works for the team and hanging out in the beautiful suite. And the Panthers got an amazing big-time win. But as you told me last win. night, you couldn't even enjoy the game. Isn't that true? No, I, well, I literally walked into Vinny's suite, and within one one second, I think I put a foot in the ground. My phone started blowing up like a vibration. I thought it was getting a leg massage. I mean, it was unbelievable, and it just it happened. I mean, it happened last night unexpectedly um, and disappointingly. And, uh, you know, so that was the end of my, my really watching the game, except for the overtime. I did put the phone away. For yeah, the and that was an amazing so, win. It was a great win. Huge win. That team is, boy, again, it comes from the top, but that team does, has a no-quit attitude. And, you know, they were down 2-1 to one with two minutes left in the game, and that would have made it a, a 3-0 series for Vegas. And that basically would have been game, set, and match. Um, they fought. They didn't give up. And, and uh, Verhage scored that, that goal with two minutes left, and uh, um, it was unbelievable. No, no, Kachuk scored the goal with two minutes left, and then Verhage right, scored That was Kachuk. Right. He got the overtime. Yeah, he, yeah, he's made a living the last couple of months, Verhage, of scoring well, big overtime goals. For uh, for Vinny Viola. So I want to get to, uh, you know, I had uh, Monica Crowley, our mutual friend, on uh, about 35 Uh minutes ago. And she said, you know, this whole thing with this indictment, there is uh, kind of a constitutional issue at play here in that, you know, usually you don't want two branches of the government. In this case, you've got the executive. He was a former president. And the judiciary, of course, uh, the DOJ, they're the ones who are uh, are indicting him, uh, going head-to-head and you got a guy who's running for president. You know, we saw something like this when uh, Jim Comey came out, for example, right before the election in 2016 and went after Hillary Clinton. And, of course, he didn't charge Hillary Clinton, and she went on to lose the election. But usually the FBI, the DOJ, they stay away from stuff like this when somebody is yeah. running for president. I know it's a three- to six-month thing, but clearly they've broken protocol here, and because they hate him so much, they don't care. But... There is kind of a constitutional issue based on those two branches of government, yes? There isn't a constitutional issue. And, and more importantly, there's, there's, a, there's a moral issue. I mean, what's happening here? This is a very, Sid, I'm not overstating this, I swear to you. This is a very sad and very scary day for this country. Um, it, it, you know, it is unconscionable for a president to indict his leading political opponent with his Justice Department, um, when that same president kept classified documents for decades. Um, and, you know, every American who believes in the rule of law, whether you're a, a Republican or Democrat, ha- has to stand with President Trump for this. Um, and, and this is a grave, grave injustice. And it's unbelievable. This is, again, I've been saying it since the Bragg conversations. This is the weaponization of the justice system. Now we have the weapon, really scary, the weaponization of federal law enforcement, which really does represent a threat to a free society. Um, it's, you know, it's <laughs> harking back to those days of dark dictators where 
they use their their you know their law enforcement arms to to impose their will against opponents and make them disappear or or put them in jail. It's 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 what you're seeing here. And you know, for years we've witnessed this really uneven application of the law depending on political affiliation. And it's 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 becoming frightening now. Well, Joseph, the people that are supporting Trump are telling me, including Monica and others, uh, I've had a bunch of people on, obviously, no one gets cast like we do. And you're the number one. No doubt. So, No doubt, right. So uh, they've been telling me, listen, Artie oh, said I'm this. sorry. By the way, congratulations, dude, on that award. That's unbelievable, Sid, really. Uh, thank and you. This is, like, I was so proud of you. I'm so happy. <laughs> I that's love you, too. Well, thank well you. deserved, but the best morning show in New York. Are you yeah. kidding? That's, that's unbelievable. Thank you. Thank so, you. Sorry to interrupt you, but it was just something I, I had to mention. Well, I appreciate that. I love you, and I'm proud of you, too, so thank you. Uh, thank you, really, very, very much. But people have said to me, look, the indictment could take a year, then you've got appeals, you know, and, and uh, before you know it, it's going to be November 2024, and the clock may run out on the DOJ. Maybe Trump has a clock in his favor. And don't forget, if he does win the election, Donald Trump can pardon himself. He can do that. Uh, what do you think about the clock in this case? Because the timing is conspicuous. I, what I think is that they're, the prosecutors are going to do everything they can do to push to make sure there's a trial before the November 24 elections. I mean, I think they're going to do everything in their power. Um, and I think that's why they brought this indictment as quickly as they did in Florida, where there's not going to be motions for change of venues. Don't forget, this was – everyone was looking at D.C., 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 right? I mean, that's where Smith was. That's where this whole thing is sort of emanating out of. There's jurisdiction there potentially because of the, the you know, the National Archives being in D.C., the documents coming from D.C. But what they did by, by bringing this indictment in Miami – um, was to circumvent any any change of venue motions that are going to come um, to say we shouldn't be in, 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 you know, D.C., we should be in the state of Florida where the documents were maintained. Um, that's the right the right jurisdiction, the right venue. Well, does that, does that um, help President Trump because I, 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 I can't believe it doesn't. I can't believe right, it doesn't right. because they, they look at that. He's, he's won that state in both elections, right? Um, and, and, and people who are, are like-minded and, and sympathetic to him and, and are willing to believe that he is the victim of the weaponization of our justice system. A lot of them are down here. You know, a lot of them are down here. <laughs> yeah. um, aside from Texas and the state, I don't know if there's a better better venue um, to get jurors who would be willing to accept that as opposed to, oh, I don't know, like New York City, where nine out of ten jurors, once they hear the name Donald Trump, the verdict is in. Or D.C. Um, or D.C. would be bad, too, for Donald Trump. D.C. Yeah. would be horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible, right. horrible. So right. I think part of the reason that they brought that here is not because they want to do president trump any favors i think it's because they want to get this case to trial before november 24 so then the question becomes this because i've discussed this with other attorneys you know the most damning of the seven counts which of course have found guilty on all he faces up to 75 years in prison which is ridiculous that's Ridiculous. If you look at them individually and, and right. pile them up, but the, right. the, the federal sentencing guidelines do not work that way. It's not facing right. So, so, but the one thing, anyway. the one thing that scares me is one of the counts talks about Trump telling somebody, and, and not just you know the, the valet guy, telling somebody mm-hmm. of relative importance, and maybe this is what Meadows said. I don't know. Hey, do me a favor. If they ask this, say this, or do me a favor. Put that there, not there, or if they can prove. That he did do that. I guess that's obstruction. I'm not sure. You're the attorney. That would be very damning uh, for Trump, yes? I think that's where they're really, you know, they think they have their strongest case. Yeah. I mean, the president, they, they claim, is accused of, of telling others to mislead government officials um, while they're working on gathering classified documents in his possession. And that, that 
if true, which it's not, I mean, I, I know the facts well enough to say it's not, right. that would be a crime that would constitute obstruction of justice. So, you know, it, it, federal law prohibits that. Well, you, 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 say, listen, you, you say it's not true, but again, over 90% of folks that are charged federally end up guilty, over 90%. And the wisdom is, the conventional wisdom is, Merrick Garland and these guys wouldn't do it, which I don't believe either because they try everything anyway. But they say, oh, they wouldn't do it unless they really had that, that smoking gun. So you say he didn't do it. Are you 100% sure of that? I'm 100% sure that based on what I know, um, based on what I've seen and based on what I've heard from all the other lawyers that who are working on this case on a daily basis, that he didn't do it. And as far as those statistics are concerned, they are true. Ninety percent of the, the, the federal indictments wind up in a conviction of sort, either by plea or by, by jury trial. Uh, my last two federal trials didn't work out that way for the prosecutors. I have, you know, the last two federal jury trials I've had, I've won. Um, so I don't believe in that statistic. And but by the way, all of that goes out the window in this case. This is we're dealing with a monumentally historic federal indictment, okay? The first time of, uh, look, we're hitting first all over the place this year, right? This is the first time I represented uh, President Trump in the case where the first president in the history of our country to have been indicted anywhere. Um, he was indicted in New York. Now this is the first time a, a, a president, um, a former president has been indicted by a federal and, and, that, and that first time thing in your case and right now is kind of a big thing, though, Joseph, because there's no precedence, right? No precedence. No precedence, exactly. And and so when you're talking about, you know, they always win and, you know, all that stuff, well, they always win, you know, in in, in cases where no one's claiming a, a political motive, a weaponization of the system. There are going to be other issues here than just the, you know, prosecutors representing the United States of America. This is, this is a different world we're in now. This is a case where it's going to be, you know, really the Biden Justice Department against the former president and his political opponent, chief political opponent for this next election. And and the timing is horrific. And Sid, I'll, I'll never forget what I said to you on the show, or on your show earlier this year or later last year, when they uncovered all those boxes, the classified documents in Biden's garage looked like a pile of, of, of you know, of trash <laughs> next to his, his Corvette, right? I said, well, that just insulated President Trump from from being charged. Oh, not just you, but Bill O'Reilly said the same thing. He said, don't worry, they can never charge Trump if they don't charge Biden. And, you know, all the rules of conventional wisdom, all the rules of common sense, all the rules of of intellectual honesty go out the window when you're dealing with President Trump and these cases. It's just, it's it's my Well, but but that's why he needs great attorneys. All all kidding aside, I'm not going to mention names. It doesn't matter. Now I've spoken to just about all of you. Uh, you know I think you're the best attorney in the world, and I mean that sincerely. I'm, I'm not just because we're friends. I, I really yeah, do. I appreciate that, Jim. Some of his attorneys I'm not all that impressed with, i got to be honest. But yeah, um, yeah. I don't know Jim Trusty, uh, but all I hear is great things about Trusty. You know him? What, what are your thoughts on him? I, I, I don't know him well. I don't know him personally. I mean, we've been on a few conference calls together and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, terrific lawyer, former federal prosecutor. I mean, he, Jim is, is terrific. I think he'll... Uh, He'll be able to look. He he knows his way around that courtroom, and he'll do fine, and he'll do great, and he'll fight. And uh, he's in good hands. I mean, with this case, he really is. This is uh, this is something that I think is 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 you know going to be a war. And I think Trusty is is more than capable. I think he's a terrific lawyer. And you know, um, it, it's it's good that there's a a 
you know, a team effort here. Yeah. You know, there's been too much nonsense in this in the Trump legal team um, over the years with you know one person you know working against another person, all that stuff. That has to go. That has to go. If so, so, so what, you, you, what you're saying then, because this came out again yesterday in some publication or some newspaper, that there has been some issues inside the Trump legal team. Not all you cats get along necessarily. And you're saying well, I, uh, I have no problem with anybody. I know I mean, you don't. I, I know with, you don't. Yeah, yeah, I work with Todd and Susan, Todd Blanchard's necklace, and they're two of the best and dear friends of mine. Right. Um, you know, and then the Carol I worked with, Alina Haba, and, and no problems anywhere. Um, you know, in all these other cases, there are squadrons of lawyers. Is, there's, yeah, there's, there's seven or eight or nine lawyers. Right, right. And when that happens, you know, you just. So lawyers are just being lawyers sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because you really you have to put the client first, not your personal, right, your personal right. interest. So thirty seconds to go. God, you're so good. Uh, thirty seconds to go. Two guys you love and respect, Judge Andrew Napolitano and Arthur Idalo, both have said to me that this is really serious. They don't know if he did it. They they think he's probably innocent, but but they both think that going to jail remains not likely, but a real possibility. But his campaign, his presidency, basically being over, they think that's even a more real possibility. What do you think? See, see I find it, I, listen, having been around this close long enough and, and, and close to the president as I have this last year, yeah. um, I think it's the opposite. This emboldens and empowers the people who love him and support him will, will walk into a fire for him because they believe what he's saying, which is, this is further proof of, of the weaponization of the justice system. This is further proof of election tampering. They're trying to take everyone's right to vote away. And, and this, they're trying to disable their fiercest political opponent. That, that's, so I don't think this ends his campaign. I think his, look, when he got indicted in Manhattan, said the next week, his, his poll numbers went up significantly. And he, the campaign raised eight million dollars. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, like it's going to be a new campaign strategy. Get indicted, <laughs> right? No, it you is. Know. He'll probably put his mugshot out there and say, "Hey, I'm going to win and pardon myself." So make sure you vote for me. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I don't think this is a fait accompli. Yes, I understand the. Yes, the federal case is serious, and and I think it's a you know a very serious situation. Obviously, a very sad situation, but a serious situation. You do not take this lightly. Um, but on the other hand, the, the one thing I can tell you about President Trump. This is going to make him stop. It's going to make him yeah. go forward with yeah. more conviction, try and win that office. And, uh, you know, I agree we with need you. a reset here. We need a reset yeah. in this country. We just do because this is a bad, bad precedent because yeah. it's going to keep – if this is the new norm, um, the new norm is going to be whoever's in office, whatever political party is the, is, is the presidency. The other side better be careful because yeah. there's a Justice Department that now is not an independent branch anymore but now works for that – political side um and and we'll seek we'll seek uh you know vengeance yes. against yep. the political well opponents yep. if that's where we're going we're i'm moving <laughs> yeah i'm with you i'm going to italy with you hey uh i'm with you uh judge napolitano said prison likely i disagree i'm with you i think it emboldens the president and uh he's gonna end up getting through this too i love you this is another great appearance show i mean really great i look forward yeah. to posting it on my instagram later on this afternoon with your graphics lady have yourself a great friday thank you so much Okay, brother. My man, Joseph Takapina. we got to get to the news because coming up next, she's doing us a big favor. She's all over the New York Post today, not about Trump, but about Biden. South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace makes her second visit in just a week. She's coming up next.
Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Oh, JT, I love James Taylor. He's North Carolina, of course. Nancy Mace, South Carolina, but he's going to Carolina. Could be either one. Great song, Carolina on my mind. Nancy Mace has become my favorite politician in America. Congresswoman out of South Carolina, she says things like y'all and dang, and she's uh, smart as a whip. And I believe one day we'll have a real shot at the presidency, maybe the first woman ever. Who knows? So we get to this Biden story in today's New York Post. Here in New York, Nancy Mace quoted everywhere. So I should get 20 for a Fox News appearance. Here's my new friend, Nancy Mace. Nancy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. We're doing well. Uh, just sort of stunned this morning, though, uh, seeing the news last night. You're talking about Donald Trump. I mean, we knew it was coming. We knew his attorneys met with yeah. Smith uh, days and days ago. So it was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when. But you're right. Anytime we, we indict a, a president, it's now happened twice on the state and federal level. It's never happened before. It is stunning. And all I can say, Nancy, is they're at it again. Well, look, I mean, it was on the same day that we were supposed to hold uh, the FBI's director, Christopher Wray, in contempt. And instead of that, we were able to get access to those FBI documents with damning evidence of bribery between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Ukraine. And this is what they do. This is literally the executive branch trying to take out the number one Republican that Joe Biden will likely face in 2024. Um, it's it's stunning when you look at it from that perspective that this is the president of the United States trying to take out his political opponent. I got to give the New York Post credit because they do have a picture of mm-hmm. Trump and talk about the indictment, but they also have a picture of Joe Biden. They talk about a Ukrainian businessman bribing in for $10 million. Yeah. And you said in the New York Post today under the uh, caption, damning evidence, that the evidence, and I watched the Jim Comer uh, press conference a couple of weeks ago, Nance, and it looked like he had some pretty good stuff. You say the evidence is pretty damning. It is very much so. When you look at in, in, in the in the document we reviewed yesterday, it's more than $5 million. It was $10 million, 5 to Hunter Biden, 5 to Joe Biden. When you look at the, the way that that document corroborates other information, Hunter Biden's emails where he's complaining about having to give half the money to his father, where he complains about paying his father's bills. When you look at other evidence, there's a recording of an oligarch talking about um, about having to send money to the Bidens. When you put all of this together and you look at the revolving door of Hunter Biden's colleagues and clients coming through the White House, him getting on planes to China with his father on, uh, on, on planes that when he was vice president and even today as president, so when you add all that together, it's why the hell is this not being yeah. investigated to the fullest extent yeah. of the law? Corruption is corruption. I don't care who you are. I agree, but you have to know I had Chuck Todd on this morning. I know he's uh, uh, a liberal, but we're friends for many years, Chuck and I. He's still the uh, moderator of Meet the Press, and that'll be over in September. And uh, I said, there's damning evidence. He said, where? Show it to me. Unless, really, Nancy... We can provide bank records that show money yes, went directly into Joe Biden's account. They don't care. Yes. Yeah, no, and literally, I mean, the, the mainstream media will say there's no evidence. And we've shown some of the bank records that we have so far. There are many more bank records to go and get. We do have to show and follow the money and show that direct evidence. So there's more bank records that we have to go after and subpoena. I want to go back to the Treasury and look back at the suspicious activity reports now that we have this new information, this new document, to see what could 
could corroborate the information therein. But it was very credible. The FBI initially said the document didn't exist. Then it magically appeared out of thin air. Then they said we couldn't see it. Then they said we could see it, but it had to be redacted. Uh, and then they said we had we could see it, it had to be redacted, but we couldn't tell anybody what was in it. You know, and so they've just been stonewalling not only the Oversight Committee, but stonewalling the American people. We'll come to find out there are more 1023s. There are more documents corroborating this information. There will be bank records that we have to additionally subpoena. And I want to go back to the Treasury. I want to, you know, we've got to follow the facts. But none of this, what the media will not tell you, is that none of this happens without Joe Biden. None of it. What's amazing in these final hiring Hunter for his brains. I didn't say that much. In the the last 60 seconds, I know you got to run. Chuck Todd Mm -hmm. uh, said to me, where's the evidence? What's frustrating for me, Nancy, is they don't really seem to need evidence to hold a trial every day on television for Donald Trump. But for Joe Biden, we need to see the evidence. I mean, the, you know, the, the dichotomy between the two is just so blatant. It's pathetic. Yeah, well, every time we get, we show corruption, every time there's documentation of corruption between Joe Biden and his family members and, and our adversaries around the world, they indict Donald Trump. And look, Trump and I have had our ups and downs. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not shilling for him. But what I see is the truth and the facts. And what they're doing to him is wrong. There's one standard for Donald Trump, and then there's another standard for everybody else. And I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. It needs to be the same Standard, And you've got Hillary Biden had a secret server in her bathroom with classified information. Biden's got over 1,800 boxes of documents spread throughout the country, some of that classified, some of that in his garage with the door open. I mean, what's the standard? And hold everybody to it no matter who they are, period. Agreed. That is perfectly set in this uh, conversation. Remember now, hashtag Nancy, hashtag Mace2028. All right, remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sid. I love you too, baby. I love you. Have a good time today on Fox News. Thank you so much. You're the best. Nancy Mace, thank you so much. Congresswoman out of South Carolina, uh, giving us uh, eight minutes on a very busy day for her again. She's at the center of this uh, Joe Biden investigation, quoted in today's New York Post and uh, all around the country. And it's funny, she said, I love you too. Her parents listen to this show. Her mother. Nancy Mace's mother loves me. She adores me. It's just weird. I mean, yeah, that, are you sure it's weird? I, I mean, I go, how? She goes, well, I have a lot of roots back in New York. She's here quite a bit. A lot of her relatives and friends still live here. And she said, when I win in South Carolina, mostly her uh, region is around Charleston. But she said, uh, a lot of my area are New Yorkers that fled. And she goes, I talk to people all the time that love you. They still listen. She told me last week, the first time she was on, the first time she's ever been stopped, ever, in a South Carolina airport was last week after she was on with us. That's it. So we are huge. Forget about Lindsey Graham. Forget about Tim Scott. Forget about Nikki Haley. Sid and Friends owns the game cock state. Cocksure of the game cock. I'm cocksure we own the game cock state. Hmm. Not great. You could say that twice in one sentence and not get in trouble. You could say it as many times as you like. <laughs> yeah. Let me do it again. I am cocksure we own the game cock state. That it? That's enough Good. of that. Okay. God, you're like a child. I, yeah, me. I know. <laughs>
I've noticed something else. Oh, because God. have you noticed something about you that's changed in the last couple of days? The last couple of days. Just the last couple Am I growing hair? No, what was wrong earlier in the week? Is now right? Now, yes. What was Hold on, you, let me think about this. You haven't noticed something about your health. Oh, my voice. Right. I sound great. Yeah, don't you don't you feel good now? Your voice? Yes. Uh I would say about Wednesday. I felt a major dip. It's I think about 90% now. Well, now you sound like the old every man Sid. Every man Sid. Or uh, human Sid. Chuck Todd. Human. Human Sid. We even played human league. <laughs> I'm human. Yeah, I'm human. But so, sound, um, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, it's funny. When John Katsimatidis was here earlier, John was on with me yesterday. And uh, John and I were talking about the awards that WABC won this year. If you don't know this, the New York State Broadcasting Association hands out excellence awards in broadcasting every September in this state. They've done it now for 57 consecutive years. It's a big thing. And WABC, to John Margot and Chad's credit, won eight awards. Eight! And we won the only show award. We won podcasts and digitals and all kinds of cool stuff. But this show won the Best Morning Show, which Joe Tacopina mentioned, in New York. So John was on about that yesterday, and then we digressed into a few other conversations. And um, we kind of joked that whenever he's on, the ratings are great. And it turns out I received the ratings from yesterday, and that segment did very well. And it was early. It was 725. And we had huge numbers. And I kind of joked around again today. He was on at 825. We'll get big numbers again. And we did. So congratulations to John. Every time John's on with me, this is true. I'm not blowing smoke up my boss's ass. It's true. Every time John is on, we get big numbers. So congrats to him. If you want to hear Donald Trump defend himself after being indicted again, he put a long video out last night on his uh, social media, Truth Social. He said, uh, like Billy Joel once said, Lewis, I am an innocent man. You like that song? No. Me either. Me either. No. Don't really like it. Yeah, me either. <laughs> you can tell what I'm going to say. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, I don't either. No, that's... But uh, uh, he did say that, so play that. Uh, Lewis, Donald Trump, number one, I am an innocent man. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. And we'll fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could f- devote our full time to making America great again. And that's exactly what we did. But now... Again, our country is in decline. We're a failing nation, and this is what they do. I'm an innocent man. We will prove that again. Seven years of proving it, and here we go again. Very unfair, but that's the way it is. I just want to thank everybody. We are doing something very special for our country. We're putting America first. I always put America first. So that's uh, Donald Trump. Now, here's the other guy on the cover of today's New York Post, where they do point out Trump was indicted. They also point out this $10 million bribery scandal that Joe Biden is going through. And he was asked about it at yesterday's press conference, and he does what he always does. He giggles, he laughs, he says it's a joke when he's clearly guilty. Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number 10. Bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy Mace says there's damning evidence in the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, 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 President
I'm only joking. It's a bunch of malarkey. Let me say something right now. You use the word malarkey, you should go to prison right away. Yeah, that's instant. instant that's jail. it. I don't care if we stole money or not. Instant you say jail. malarkey, yeah. you go to jail. Yeah, whether you're in May- Mayberry, RFD, or in Washington. I don't care. Yeah. You go to jail now. That's malarkey? Not, that's not malarkey. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> There's uh, no one human being on the earth that uses Well, who anymore. do you believe? Do you believe Nancy Mace or Joe Biden? Um, that's a tough one. Let me get back to you. Yeah, not even tough. <laughs> no, you just <laughs> I mean, read come the on. polls, Jack. Uh, Jack. Uh, we got uh, two more guests coming your way, including, despite the poor air quality the last couple of days, two major outdoor events about to happen this weekend in New York City with the biggest of all, the Belmont Stakes, which, of course, no sporting event in New York, not a Super Bowl, demands the amount of folks, upwards of 100,000, that show up at the track tomorrow, and there was some nervousness that they would cancel the stakes. Remember, there's not a horse running tomorrow that can win the Triple Crown. Well, we're going to talk to my guy, Dick Girardi, who's called the last 40, 40 Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont Stakes picks winners all the time. He'll join us at 940. And a very interesting conversation with my buddy Josh Fox is coming up next. Not nearly done. Sitting friends on a Friday. Back after these words. A silver tear appearing now. I'm crying. Ain't I? In the morning, 77 WABC. Good um, Friday song. Told you that this was big on the 5 o'clock whistle, Z100. We did have Elvis Duran on the show a couple of days ago. That was fun. Let's, um, let's get to Josh Fox. Met Josh a couple of weeks ago. Happens to be the CEO of Bottom Line Concepts. He's a New York kid. Now lives in Florida. Done very well for himself. Very smart. Very likable. And we have a lot to discuss. I know you've been hearing me do commercials for ERC. The Employee Retention Act, so we'll step away from the Trump indictment for a second and Biden, his uh, crooked and corrupt president uh, run so far. And we'll talk about something that every businessman, basically small businesses, has felt over the last couple of years since COVID and the way you could uh, improve it. I mean, look, 
there are still people impacted today, today, from what happened years ago with COVID when the both the federal government and many, many blue city and blue state political leaders decided to shut down the economy in an effort to limit death. It was a brutal mistake. They did a horrible job. Not a bad job, a horrible job. And these folks haven't recovered. That's where you come in, Josh Fox, with your beautiful black jacket and your great tan. You look like a million bucks. You come in on your white horse to uh, basically save the day. Sid, great to see you, man. You, you are a breath of fresh air. You're <laughs> such a wonderful person. Thank you. And your voice is really one of the best voices in all of New York. Yeah, you said the same thing to Paul and Ron probably in Miami last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. But it's true. I mean, people are still suffering from the COVID decisions. You know, small business to me is everything. These are the men and women across this country that have, you know, typically, you know, come here from foreign places over the last, you know, three, four, five, six generations. They've come to this country seeking an opportunity, a better life. And America affords that to them, the, the ability to start a business, to be an entrepreneur, to grow something, to hire employees, to provide a wonderful life to their family and to their employees. And that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years with my company is helping these businesses figure out creative ways to save money, to be more efficient, and to help their business grow and thrive. Well, you're a Wall Street guy, so you're a smart business guy to begin with, and a successful Wall Street guy. I believe your father was too, or is. So you go into this endeavor. Be honest. It's like when Trump ran for president. You don't think in a million years he thought he was going to win in 2016, but he did. He was great at it. Did you have any idea when you started this you'd be able to reap the financial benefits you have for thousands of people? I mean, big money, millions, billions. Did you think that would happen when you started this 15 years ago? Of course, when starting a business, you never know. You know, I, I didn't make a dollar for three, four, five years. Like I, I had a startup business and all I was trying to do was help people. And I knew if I put the clients first, yeah, I knew if I were to help them first that at some point, you know, I could have some possible benefit to it also. But you got to see the letters that we get, Sid, from these business owners. I mean, you know, they were going to go bankrupt and we helped them. They couldn't pay their rent, and we were able to help them find the money to pay their rent. They couldn't pay their employees. I mean, we met so many business owners that just really were in bad places, and then we helped them dramatically. I mean, the people show up at our office. They hug us. They kiss oh. us. They write us letters. Sure. I mean, and, and again, it's not just the business owner itself. When you think about a business owner, how many people rely upon that business owner, right? It's grandparents, it's children, it's cousins, it's aunts and uncles. Like in this country, so many people rely upon one man or one woman's income True. to take care of the entire family. True. You're 100% right, Josh Fox, the CEO of Bottom Line Concepts. So for folks that don't understand the employee retention uh, credit program, because people get nervous, right? They hear the commercial and they hear me promise, hey, he can do this, I can do that, millions of dollars, thousands of people. But then they get they're very nervous about the specifics and really the chances of whether or not that could happen to them. So give these folks, Josh, if you would, a kind of summarized version of the employee retention credit program and why, at least in your case, it's worked a lot. 
Well, thank God to the politicians, you know, years ago that sat in the heart of the pandemic. And we're trying to think of ways to help the American people get out of this thing. This program, again, is all directed towards small businesses, people that own restaurants, people that own dry cleaners, people that own small little, you know, schools, uh, private schools for children. You know, this was geared towards the small business. And they came up with a program here to really help and rescue these businesses. Because I got to tell you, here in New York, Josh, they F, and I mean F in a big way. Some of my friends were restaurant owners. I got a buddy named Ralph Napolitano. Him and his brother Tony own Ann and Tony's, Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. They couldn't get a penny. And they're still open. They remained open, but they've never recovered. They're taking a savage beating. Could a guy like Ralph take advantage of this? I mean, restaurants, hospitality had to be one of the worst affected industries. I mean, imagine you had a restaurant with 50 seats inside, and they force you to go dine outside, and now you had 20 seats. Right. I mean, how can you possibly run a business that used to have 50 seats and then it had 20? Not only that, but the government, Josh, they were incentivizing people to stay home. You stay home, I'm going to send you a check for 1200 1400 They're making 12 bucks an hour. It made more financial sense for Americans not to work. So now these restaurants can't get money to operate their business. Now they're losing employees because they're incentivized financially to stay home. How do you run a business? It was very, very hard. And, and thank God to the American government. Thank God to the politicians. Thank God to Congress and Senate that came up with these programs, right? They came up with the PPP program to rescue these small businesses. They came up with the EIDL program to rescue small businesses. They came up with the ERC program to rescue small businesses. And there's still time. You know, what's really nice is the government is giving people a runway of time to, number one, to be educated about the program, and, number two, make sure that they're filing a claim where they actually qualify. You said PPP. If you've received PPP, you can still get ERC, right? Yes, they amended those laws that in the initial phase, if you had gotten PPP, you could not get ERC. And now they're giving companies an opportunity to do both. Now, the key is you have to do some very complicated calculations so that you understand the interrelationship between PPP and ERC. Well, who is you? When you say you, because this is what becomes intimidating, is that the restaurant owner or is that you, bottom line concepts? We hold the client's hand. You know, one of the beautiful things that we do is we speak to every single client on the phone. We spend a good half hour with them, uh, interviewing them, learning about them, learning about their business, learning about how things changed. One of the key considerations to the programs is one of two things. Either you had a significant decline in revenue, like if you lost 20% revenue when you compare 2021 to 2019, that is a huge qualifier. Like if you lost a lot of money, that is a great way to qualify for the program. And the other qualifier is if you had a fuller partial suspension of your operations due to the government orders that were in place. Now, we're here in New York City. This is where I grew up. This is my home. This is where my family is. And New York and New York City specifically had significant, significant restrictions. Oh, you're telling me? So the question. I had to get vaccinated just to go, go to a Met game. I didn't want to get vaccinated. I didn't want to get it. I didn't care. I figured I'd be fine, but I couldn't go eat. I couldn't go to a Met game. Couldn't go to, a, I never wore a mask. Never wore a mask. I, 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 listen, 
If somebody's parents died out there, I apologize. It's going to sound insensitive. I still believe this was the biggest political story in the history of our country. It did not become about people getting sick. It became about the power struggle between blue cities and a Republican president. That was it. And they lied to people. They lied about the seriousness. They lied about everything along the way. And it turned me off. So, yes, this city, specifically between the governor, Andrew Cuomo, who should be in prison, and the mayor, Bill de Blasio, who should be in a cell next to him, they really have the New Yorkers in a big way. If I sound pissed, I am. I understand. My key is how many small businesses that are still hurting, that were hurting in the past, that we can help them with this opportunity and these programs so that they can thrive again, right? If they can build their businesses back up, they can open new locations, they can do the American dream, which is to start and grow a business. And in order to do that, you need capital. In order to do that, you need to be able to run an efficient business. And in order to do that, you need good people. And that is the key that what we're trying to help companies do is once they get some of this money from these different programs, we're seeing them go out and hire incredible people. We need to get people back to work. We need to get the unemployment rate lowered. We need to get people working again. Because the more people that are working, the more taxes that are paid, the more money that's flowing through the economy. And so that's one of the things that we're most proud of is that through the work we've done in the last 15 years, tens and tens and tens of thousands of jobs have been created by the work that we do. It's huge, Josh. So for people who want to take advantage of this ERC, what's the best way to do it? Bottom line concepts, how do they do it? Oh, our, our website is bottomlinesavings.com. It's, it's been our website for 15 years We've been doing this for 15 years. We're going to do this for another 15 years. And it just feels really good and proud to know all the money that we've been able to save these companies and all the people that reach out to us and are just super appreciative of the time that we spend with them and how we've made their business more efficient. Bottomlinesavings.com. 60 seconds to go. We had this long meeting a couple of weeks ago. You impressed me then. You've impressed me even more today. I actually do like you as a person. I don't care about your business. Your business is great, but you're, you're a great guy. And you talked about how you wanted to eliminate the horses from Central Park. I've got a guest coming up next. His name is Dick Girardi. He has called the last 40 Kentucky Derbies, Preakness Stakes, and Belmont. 100,000 people will be at Belmont tomorrow with bad air quality watching one of the biggest horse races of the year. And we saw seven horses die at the Kentucky Derby and a few more at the Preakness. So if you're upset about the horses in Central Park, how do you feel about horse racing? Well, I've been an animal lover my whole life, Sid, and I've had animals since the day I was born. And I started a foundation when my dog died last year called the Brady Hunter Foundation. And my foundation is just about believing that all species are created equal. It doesn't matter whether it's a cow, a pig, a horse, a goat, or a human. Are you complaining? You're actually comparing a pig to me? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, John. No, I hear it. I like that. Go ahead. I just believe that every species is created equal, and, and the foundation is just about helping and rescuing and providing a safe place for animals. That's just what it's all about. Are you like best friends with Beth Ostrovsky, Howard Stern's wife? She feels the same way. She, you know, she works with the North Shore Animal League, obviously, but we've adopted all my dogs from there, just so you know. Yeah, so, just real quick. I mean, I just did something really special down in South Florida. We're, we helped the uh, South Wildlife Center down in Florida where they rescue injured wild animals that are hit by cars, typically. And I just bought an ambulance for them, a wow. brand new ambulance, and I just paid the salary through the foundation for the first year 
so that they can go rescue more animals that are injured by cars in South Florida. And I feel so proud about buying that ambulance and paying for that salary for that person. Good for you. That is awesome, bro. So I keep telling you, you're a great guy. Yeah. You are a great guy. You care about things. And that... we have something coming up in about two weeks. I'm yeah. doing Sid down in Florida. We'll call it Clear the Shelter. Yeah. We went to the Humane Society in Southern Florida, and we are trying to get as many of those dogs and cats that are in that humane shelter rescued. And I've agreed to pay the expenses for the first six months for anybody who rescues a dog or cat during that period of time. That's the stuff I love. That's the stuff I'm most passionate about. And anything I can do to help animals is something I'm interested in. That's great, Josh. Seriously, great. So you're helping out people with bottom line concepts. Uh, you're helping out animals, which, of course, is a very noble uh, process, obviously. Everybody loves that. Uh, I'm glad we met, and uh, thank you for the, the work that you do. My friend Ralph, who owns that restaurant in Arthur Avenue, just said, I need to talk to this guy as soon as he's off the air. So uh, thank you for doing what you do uh, for a whole bunch of different people and species, and we'll talk again very soon. Nice to see you. Sid, great to see you again. You're the best. You are. That's my man Josh Fox right there, folks, Bottom Line Concepts. Check out uh, governmentaid.com, too, and uh, learn more about this ERC program. If you're still struggling today, I have the antidote. His name is Josh Fox. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I like that guy, Josh Fox. Good guy. He killed. He killed. He killed. All right, what's uh, 9.46? The show's almost over. People get so upset because we're gone until Monday at 6. So. They do a best-of show, I think, on the weekend, which gets like a 13 or yeah, 14. Yeah, top-rated show on the weekend. So. Not even close. Like, Not even close. Like a 14. People just want to hear you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just me. Oh, okay. I mean, it is, but I have to say it to sound like a dick. Like Elvis Duran, he's like, well, you know, without Gandhi and uh, Gandhi and yeah. Danielle and, I mean, without Noam and uh, Filippi and you and yep. Lewis, yep. the show would not be um, would not be bad. I'm not going on a hunger strike anytime soon like Gandhi is, so. <laughs> it's not the same Gandhi, oh, you moron. Oh, damn it. Okay. God, not Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, that's who I thought you meant. Gandhi. <laughs> 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 You're funny. What? what? Lewis had a particularly great week, i got to say. Not that <laughs> yeah. you're not great. I told you, Justin, you've matured. You say it more than us. I, I can't believe what a good producer you've become. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. Yeah, because I really thought you sucked for a while there. <laughs> yeah. Norm's always been the best business, uh, newsman in New York. He, he's a guy's great at his job. He's just great. Whether he's doing serious news or Norm's nuggets, he's great. He's great. But Lewis... If I was going to have sex with a man again, and it was only once... And it was with me... Oh, it was with you. That's right. Nah, so. maybe be twice that fine. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't say that. Bernard yeah. watched. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, he may have jumped in, Bernard, actually. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Well, first he yelled, cut 16. <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong cut, Louis. Oh, come right. on. Let's just have the orgy and do it anyway. <laughs> All right. Oh. Then we'll play cut 18. <laughs> well, you know which cut I meant. Uh, tomorrow is the Belmont Stakes, and every time is a big race, I only go to one guy. One guy, one guy only. And that's uh, Dick Girardi. Jimmy Shapiro does a good job of uh, providing me with Dick. But Dick has been the voice of the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont Stakes for the better part of four decades. And I like him as a guy. He's a good guy. Well, here he is, my friend Dick Girardi, one day ahead of about 100,000 showing up at the Belmont Stakes. Good morning, Dick. 
Good morning, Sid. How are you? I'm great. You know, uh, the real story here has not been about the race because, as you and I talked about, there is no chance for a triple crown winner. But the air quality being so bad here in New York that the skies were actually orange two days ago and the uh, air quality meter hit 480 when 300 or more is a natural disaster. The thought was they're not going to race tomorrow. Bad for the horses, bad for the humans. Are we past that conversation? It looks like we are past. They're going to run today at Belmont Park. They trained this morning and obviously subject to change, Sid, if it was like it was Wednesday or Thursday. There's just no way they could have run the races. But it does look like it's cleared up enough. Uh, I don't know what it's like in the city, but at old Long Island, where Belmont Park is, it looks like it's going to be fine. Yeah, right now in the city, it's sunny, and uh, there's a little bit of a haze. We just don't know if the haze is, right? right? We don't know what the hell it is, if it's really haze, if it's still the smoke from the fires. But I got to tell you, Dick, I like horse racing. I do, and and I'm honest with you. I'm not Hank Goldberg or Mike Francesa. God bless Hank, so I don't uh, go to the track every day. I'm not checking up on Monticello and Finger Lakes, but I do like the big races. But I have to tell you, uh, what happened a couple of weeks ago at the Kentucky Derby, Upwards of seven horses, I think, died that weekend in, in uh, maybe you'll correct me, I don't know, Lexington. And then issues with the Preakness as well. It seems like thoroughbred racing, especially over the Bob Baffert uh, suspension too, Dick, has gotten some really negative press the last year or so. And it's not like it's been doing great before that. Is that a fair statement? And if it is, are you worried about the future? It, it is a fair statement. Look, what happened at Churchill Downs, that when you have a – I mean, that many injuries and horses having to be euthanized at one time at America's most famous racetrack, look, that's going to be a story. It was extremely unusual. It's interesting. The numbers are actually down pretty dramatically across the country over the last three years, Sid. But there was a great piece, and I hope people got a chance to read it, uh, that Victor Mather wrote in the New York Times recently explaining why when racehorses get hurt, they can't be saved in some cases like humans could or even dogs just because of the nature of the animal. It's a terrific story, and I think it does explain what ha- what does happen. But, no, there's no way you can put a happy face on it. I'm not going to try, uh, but nobody in the game likes it. Uh, the big races are as big as they've ever been, uh, but you're not wrong that the rest of the sport has, certainly has some issues, and that's the biggest issue right now in the game because it's gotten outside of horse racing, and nobody wants to see animals hurt. They just don't, yeah. and that would certainly include me. Dick Girardi is coming on courtesy of my friends at betonline.ag. Check out BetOnline for the most up-to-date odds and props on the Belmont Stakes. Yeah, I hope they figure it out. I don't like seeing – I just had a guy in studio – who's a legitimate multimillionaire, Dick. And this guy works with people, small businesses, who got clobbered during COVID. And he's got a program out there that is getting these people tons and tons of money. But but he's also an animal lover. So he gives tons of money to shelters down in South Florida. And he's trying to have the horses from Central Park removed because he thinks what they do to them is um, is awful. He wouldn't really answer my question about horse racing necessarily, but he doesn't even like what they do with the horses in Central Park. So there seems to be this really big push to end the, the horse issue. It, it, look, it's out there. Anybody that denies it, people in the game understand it. Uh, again, the numbers, and nobody wants to hear it, but the numbers are down pretty dramatically the last three years because of much better protocols. If you remember Forte, the derby favorite, he got scratched the morning of the race. 
That would not have happened five years ago, Sid. Uh, that horse would have been allowed to race. Well, let me, let me tell you something. I'm glad you brought up Forte because that horse yep. is owned, as you know, Dick, by my dear, sure. dear, dear friend, Vinny Viola, who also owns the yep. Florida Panthers. And yep. that horse stepped on a pebble. He texted me at 930 in the morning, and he was he was crying. He was like, I've waited all my life for this. I got the best yep. horse in the race I can win. He said, but I will not. This is Vinny. I will not sacrifice the health of my horse for this race. It ain't going to happen. Right back to Vinny Viola. Yeah, no question. And, you know, Mike Rapoli is the other part owner. You know, yes. Everybody knows Mike up in New York, uh, pretty vitamin water, and, you know, they've done well. But, yeah, I think they're more interested in the welfare of their horse. They're not going to run their horse if there's any kind of a problem. And, of course, Forte is going to run tomorrow. But the pre-race exams and are much more scrutiny for the uh, so, yeah, again, what happened at Churchill Downs was very unusual that that many horses in that little bit of time. But you know what they did, Sid? They actually have closed the meet at Churchill Downs because they couldn't come up with an explanation <laughs> and moved their meet to Ellis Park out in western Kentucky. Wow. Because nobody could explain why it happened. Interesting. So they finally just said, well, wait a second. We don't know why it's happening. We just know it's happening. we got to stop this. So that's what they did. That's interesting. So tell me, you just uh, told everybody that may not know this because, again, there's not a triple crown at stake here, and maybe they're going to go to the Belmont or certainly bet it, but not following with closely that Forte, the overwhelming favorite, Vinny's horse and Mike's horse, to win the Kentucky Derby, uh, has not raced the first two legs, but I believe is the sixth horse tomorrow, and the morning odds, I think, are a nine to four, so once again, a prohibitive favorite. So how cool will it be for folks to watch this horse? How good is this horse? He's easily the most accomplished horse in the race. It's not even close. I mean, you know, he won four grade ones. He's a two-year-old champ. And, you know, he won the Florida Derby in the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream. And who did he beat in those races? He beat Mage, who eventually won the Kentucky Derby. So right. there's no doubt about that. The issue, Sid, with Forte is he hasn't raced since April 1st. It wasn't by design, obviously. They wanted to run him in the Derby. They would have run him in the previous, but he had to be on a 14-day vets list. So he hasn't run in 10 weeks. This would be unprecedented for a horse to win the Belmont Stakes at a mile and a half off that kind of layoff. Todd Pletcher is one of the best to ever do this as a trainer. If he finds a way to win this race with Forte, and he's really good at winning the Belmont, this is going to be an all-timer. And by the way, Mage, of course, uh, not running tomorrow. Uh, Joan Antonucci, I think I said that correctly, female trainer. She's aiming for history tomorrow, yes? Yeah, Archangelo uh, trying to be the first female trainer to win any Triple Crown race and won the Peter Pan Stakes at Belmont, which is the big local prep. Looked pretty good doing it back on the 13th of May, so coming back after four weeks. And and Pletcher, we mentioned him with Forte. He actually has the horse I like the most in the race, Tapatrice, the two. Uh, ran in the Derby, ran okay. Uh, has Did not go in the Preakness, son of Tappet. These Tappets win the Belmont Stakes like all the time, so I think Tapatrice has a lot going for him in the race. And Sid, you'll love this. One of my favorite bets of the weekend. It's it's on betonline.ag. It's one of the prop bets. Il Miracolo is the five. He's fifty to one to win the race, but he's two to one to finish last. He's going to finish last. Take the two to one. <laughs> I love that. Take Il Miracolo at two to one to finish last. Yeah, I think you said Tapatrice is the two. I believe Angel of Empire is the two, and Tapatrice is the eight. Is that not right? Yeah, Tapatrice is two. And- 
Oh, they must have the uh, – the... right Angel of Empire ran a very strong third in the Derby, and he's a Pennsylvania bred, so obviously I have some interest in that. All right, so on the way out, Dick Girardi here once again, Bet Online AG, and even without a triple crown possibility, I had to bring Dick back because he's so good at this. Uh, you've been pretty good calling the first two races. You've had a winner in each of those exactors. What's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, Tapa Trace is my pick. I think National Treasure, the Preakness winner, is going to run really well again. I'm, I'm going to try to beat Forte. Look, I'd love to see Vinny and Mike and Todd win the race, but, man, it, as good as this horse is, that is asking a whole lot. So, yeah, I'm going to do a kind of a 2-4 exact the box tomorrow, Tapa Trace and National Treasure. 2-4. Hey, Dick Girardi, you've been uh, really amazing, as always, this uh, season. Enjoy the Belmont tomorrow, and let's find a way to get you back to talk about something. I don't care you're that good. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks, sir. God bless you. Dick Girardi.